What up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Welcome back to the show. First time joining the show. Hey, welcome to this show. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I know you're going to love it. This week, my guest is Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn! I get tagged so much online uh, with Sami Zayn, and congrats to him on the WrestleMania victory. I had him on the show before he even won. So, look at that, baby. Cena connected us. We put him on the show. Shout out to Sami Zayn. He's the man, uh, the Red Rumbler. Uh, love him so much. I am on the road. Come see me and Bobby Lee tour around the country. Badfriendspod.com is where you get those tickets. Badfriendspod.com. Come see us. Enough rambling from me. Let's go to the episode. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. You were that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today. It is my arch nemesis, <laughs> Sammy Zane. You're here, baby. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. You don't have a drink, otherwise we would cheers, and that's okay. Do you want, uh, we'll do air I'm, cheers on a Perrier. Perrier here you go. Che- right, air cheers, because yeah. I can't cheers real. I can't cheers it without. Is that uh, a rule? Or? That's an old Irish rule. Ah. Now, you look like an old Irishman, but you're not. Well, so I was going to ask you about your background, because I'm Santino. A, I'm Sicilian and Irish. Okay, so the Irish, I'm assuming, where the red comes in, or not Not no, necessarily? Is that yeah, from the Italian side? No, 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 no. The Italian side is my dirtbag side. That's my <laughs> smoke cigarettes Well, because indoors. so I'm Syrian. I'm an Arab and I don't look it. I know. What, so what, I thought that was about? a commonality. What's this about you being Syrian and looking like someone that's related to me? A brown-eyed redhead, yeah, by well, the way. <laughs> you know, there's like none of us. We're we're the rarest of the gingers. Why? What are redheads normally? Most gingers are uh, light eyes. Green eye? Blue eye. Well, blue? blue is the most common eye color, but most are blue really? eye. Brown eye, redhead, tough to see because we're so the prettiest. What you've got is a little bit of what I got. Like, you don't have that... Uh... No, I don't want to offend anybody no, with no, this no. comment, but like Ugly almost like Irish thing. Say <laughs> no, it. no, no, no. I'm Say saying, like, you know, the the very, very fair skin. Like yeah, you yeah, look yeah. like you can catch a tan. I can catch a little baby. You'll tan. burn, but you can catch a That's slight exactly tan. Right. I'm the same way. You'll catch a little one. Like I don't have that. Uh, like the you know the ginger. Image is like very, very almost Just say like ghastly porcelain, ghosts. porcelain ghastly skin. Ghosts. Yeah, no, 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 no. Little Japanese girls are porcelain. <laughs> yeah, We're ghastly ghosts. Right, Irish okay. people are ghastly ghosts who creep people out. And they've got such a, I, such a strong accent that it's so pale and see-through. Uh, no, we, I didn't get, I didn't get the, I don't look as Irish as I am, but I don't look Italian at all. Zero. And I'm right down the gut. So if you know, like my name and you're Arab and you saw my name, you'd be like, you know? Yeah, it doesn't matter. The same up. with you. I'm wondering if you're like Santino. Santino. And people look up at you and you're like. Do you get harassed at the border? No, so that's the, uh, there's the white privilege, actually. <laughs> that's so the, yeah. I had a hyper-awareness of what white privilege was before there were words to articulate it. Right. Because I just knew, like, oh, yeah, I look white, so I get through the border all the time. Yeah, they don't you say know? anything they to you. They don't say anything. And also, you're a Canadian-born kid. Yeah. So, so you're a Syrian who's a Canadian who now works in the States, yeah. mostly. Yep. And then when you go back to Syria. I don't. Ever. I haven't, I, I, so my parents were born there and yeah. they moved off to Canada. So we've only, vi- and you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So a trip to Syria was like, you know, three, four years, you save up money and then you yeah. go. So I'd only been a handful of times. And the last time I went was 1998. Oh, so you, yeah, you never go. I don't go. I have not been in my adult life. Do you want to go? 
I'd love to go one day when things are, you know, when things are working out for you. I think you're doing pretty uh, well. Not for me, for the country. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? you could be the savior. Be the be the voice uh, of Syria, dude. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that's how it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know politics, yeah, man. Not... <laughs> Just go over there and say I'm here. Yeah, I'm not sure that's how dictators. Sammy's work. here. <laughs> yeah, but it would be funny if you were this big revolutionary who looked like this. That yeah. was a savior for the Syrian people. My people. people. There you yeah, go. <laughs> right. But actually, it's slightly more common than people think. There are a lot of fair skinned there are redheads it's not in syria yeah it's not really? totally uncommon no well because typically like in my world in america uh when somebody sees you with red hair they they immediately go irish, irish. right yeah. but that what's ironic about that is when you go to the uk most of them think you're english or scottish yeah. because most of the redheads are in england and that's Scotland. right way more than ireland yeah it's insane i, I find no I've, it is I've been all over well, scots are yeah. all redheads <laughs> like every fuck i've never had a scottish person who doesn't have red hair and england is littered with these people Lit england's where i see them the most it's gross yeah it's, it's awful it's like almost common yeah, it is too i don't common. know how it was for you growing up but for me it was like uh not I, common i don't want to say a freak no it was freak but like i was the only redhead and there was one other redheaded girl and it was like oh the the two redheaded people in school, you know you what I mean? Gonna, you guys yeah, gonna, you're gonna get married, yeah, you no, know, when you're yeah. like in grade three. You guys are gonna get married, but um, no, it was rare. I it was, was very, very rare, and especially uh, in in like entertainment, you saw no redheads. No, none. Well, I've talked about this on the show. The only ones were they were always this. They were like. Uh, uh, Farkas from A Christmas Story, where you were a bully, or you like the angry, ugly bully with braces, uh, or like a Sid, the kid from Toy Story, like he, right, he, right, you were uh, like a, 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 a freaky menace of some kind, hundred, a freaky menace. A freaky by the way, menace. my next <laughs> album coming out, Freaky Menace. You were, you were this ugly freak, or and that was only children. There was no, there were no. What redheaded adult was like Ron Howard? Yeah, but he was still, but he quit when he was like a teenager. Okay, right? he stopped after Happy Days. Um, that's it. Nowadays, there's a few. I think Seth Rogen deserves a little credit in like breaking down a bit of a wall. He's got he's got a little bit of uh, some of the tinge of ginger. I don't even think he's all that rouge, to be honest. Like, he's not. He's he's got tinge of ginger. Yeah. He's got tinge of ginger. Tinge of <laughs> ginger. By the way, you have Seth Rogen face. So I get compared to him a lot, but yeah. I don't really see it. But then you do a little bit. I guess I do a little. You bit. do a little bit. You get I get put against you on the the reason that this beautiful birth happened. We right. I tweeted at you or I DM'd you on Instagram because the amount of times I get tagged by hardcore wrestling fans, <laughs> they get tagged like good to see Santino's in the ring this weekend. It'll yeah. be your picture just like like just just like wrapping someone's neck around your arm. <laughs> and then I at some point I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. I'm constantly getting tagged as yeah. you con uh, by all these wrestling fans. And then, of course, when I had seen on the podcast, I told him I was down to fight because I've been training with him. Right. And I mean it today. We're going to fight live on yeah. the show here at <laughs> some point. It. We're building to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah that's, this is going to get real confrontational about a half hour in, and yeah. then it's going to devolve. I want to keep the viewers to the yeah. end of this. So the payoff is at the end. We wrestle at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I had to say something because it was in entertainment. That's the big joke is like any time a redhead is anything. I'll get tagged yeah. or I'll get same. Yeah. It's like, and the funny thing is I was going to say, we look nothing alike, Not but then all. as I sit here, we're dressed exactly the same with the same, we're exact the same guy. Yeah. We're the same we're, guy. We have the exact same style. <laughs> yeah. But redheads yeah. were only allowed so many colors, right? <laughs> Blue, black. I'm getting away with murder with purple. Yeah, it was there. It was the first thing I noticed. Losing actually. my mind right like, now. Wow. But blue and black are, are <laughs> blue and black are my only colors I wear. I'll throw in a splash of this. Cause I know, yeah. It's a one thing and then you're good. Uh -huh. One color can pop. But you know, we can't wear orange. We can't wear yellow. We can't wear red. 
we can't wear. I, I wore a red T-shirt the other day, and you're I off felt, your head. oh my god, you're a psychopath. Yeah. You look like a road cone. Slow down. <laughs> you're losing your mind. What ha- is it? Maybe because we got older. I feel like I wore more colorful clothing as a as a younger person. Yeah, but also, how old are you now? Thirty eight. Yeah, we're the almost the same age. Uh huh. Because we grew up in the late eighties and early nineties, that colors yeah. were cool. Everything was everything was bright and fun. Yeah. And then we realized, I don't want to be made fun of this much. Let's tone it down. And then you become a teen and you want to feel cool. So you'll wear colors that don't make you look as yeah. bright as you already are. I mean, look at how bright we were. Yeah. Not not in the mind, it. just in the in the face and body. Although you, you know, seem like a bright guy. Um, uh, do I? Yeah. You know, part of another thing that I'm, uh, I, I like about the opportunity that this presents this podcast is yeah. I know almost nothing about you. That's good. Same. And you know almost nothing about me. It's perfect. Which is great. So it's like an actual conversation of getting to meet someone and know For someone. Real, and it's, I know. I, it's, I, said, I, right. I said we have to do this. And it just so happened that you came into town because uh, you're, well, I mean, this will air when this is over. So people want to know why you're here. He's getting married. In town <laughs> to someone at WrestleMania. Yeah. He's marrying one of his competitors. We we can't you'll have to see yeah. who he ends up marrying. Again, wait for the payoff on yeah, that. One. It's gonna be yeah. huge. <laughs> but no, you're in town, WrestleMania, down no, not downtown. It's at Inglewood, right? It's yeah, at, the SoFi Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SoFi, incredible. That's ridiculous. Have you been inside of there before? No. It's pretty new, right? It's less it's than a year brand old. new. It's yeah. two years old. It's a baby. It's beautiful. It's the best football stadium wow. I've ever been to in my life. Wow. Yeah, man. Well, because it's the it's the it's the bell of the ball. It's the new darling in town. You know. Well, so I'm excited for it for a number of reasons. But mm-hmm. uh, one of it is L.A. Even though I've never lived here, I first started coming here for shows in like uh, the end of 2004, and I've always been in love with it. Yeah. But it was such an important place for me to where I. It's really where I made my name. Actually, I was wrestling out here every month for like eight years before I got signed with WWE. So uh, just has a really special place in my heart, and I love the city. And now to be coming back for this really huge event here, I don't know. It's like a weird full circle moment. You yeah, know it's what I huge, mean? huge, pretty what huge. Were, what were you doing for eight years? Where were you? What were you wrestling? I was on? wrestling uh, for a smaller, but it's still around and it's still massively influential. If you look at the amount of talent that's gone through that promotion, it's a place called Pro Wrestling Gorilla, mm-hmm. small independent like punk style, you know, four hundred crazy fans type. Type yeah, of a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cult fans. Cult, cult fans, fans yeah, yeah. Like real hardcores. And uh, yeah, just those shows would kind of circulate on DVD and all that stuff. And uh, that's kind of how you got, yeah. We were talking right before this started about how crazy, th- how things are changing so fast, right? Yeah. Wasn't that long ago where, I, so the first time I got booked for a really big independent company in the States, I gave them a VHS tape as of my you. resume. Yeah. Like that was the thing. Like, hey, give them a, a, a an eight by ten, a VHS, and like your mailing address and whatever, and send out tapes. And that's how you used to get booked. Wow, and that wasn't that long ago. I'm not that old, right? No, that's but the it, same. Yeah, that's same. just in my lifetime. That's an right. ar- not even my lifetime, my career. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just insane how fast all these things are changing. But uh, we had to do that in stand up. Same thing. Back then, we had to. It wasn't VHS. It was like. Um, when someone's like, can you make, can you show them a tape? When I first came out here, when people were getting tapes, you had to get physical, like those high eight tapes or whatever, the little baby the tapes. mini DV. Yeah. The Did mini DVs, mini, DV mini DVs. Then, yeah. yeah. And get a little camcorder, a handy cam or whatever you and film, film with, your set. Was it, it like a, a five minute set, a short set? Back then when you first start. Yeah. You need five minutes to right. like, you know, for them to even see if you can get on right. uh, Conan or the tonight show or, or even like for a booker. If you were trying to get on a, you know, at a club, at a, like a C room or D room, which means, you know, you start out at these C rooms, right. they're 
you know, usually podunk nowhere. And, uh, you know, it's like 20 people maybe are there. Obviously, they don't know who you are. You're just yeah, yeah, playing yeah. a show. And you'd sometimes have to send tapes to these people. And uh, it was I, like en masse, right? So, like, yeah. you'd get almost like a contact list or something from yep. somebody. Yep. And you just send maybe four or five tapes, all with these your phone number on it, yeah, your address. Right, yeah. Right, right, and you right. would literally mail it mail to it, yeah. the club or the promoter or, or sometimes if you got lucky, a friend of a friend would be like, dude, I have the contact yes. of the guy. I'll give him your tape or I'll tell him about you. And then that, you know, merge this world of like underground, uh, shifting around your, your tape to people who could get you a gig and Bozeman, Montana. Right. <laughs> and you drive up there, you'd lose money. Yeah, 100% yeah. lose money. Man, the parallels in the business are so, I, I don't know. I know you had seen on it. Didn't, I, again, I only heard clips of it, but. Yeah. Uh, he the, sucks, by the way. John Cena, <laughs> you stink. No. No, no, no. No, but there is so many. We yeah. did. The parallels are staggering. It's uncanny. Well, also because him, you know, he was saying, and I, I want to hear from you too, like at his beginnings, he was trying to get a job working for Cybex or. Uh, Life Fitness or one of these companies that made fitness equipment. And oh, okay. that that was like the beginning of his, you know, well, I would say beginning of his young career as a young adult was trying to figure out how to get to the next thing. And um, I was telling him, I was like, dude, you doing the hustle to get to the next thing was us, me doing day jobs or restaurant jobs in our business is like every comic, you know, works a shitty day job yeah, right, right, and right. they know they have to get a job that lets them off at 6 p.m. at the right. latest so they can get to the open mic and get to the next mic. And right. Do there we, reaches a point where you're like, wait a minute, I'm making 130 bucks a week. I can do this for a living I'm now. Killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can. I buy, don't need that job anymore. I buy anymore. a Ferrari with this <laughs> yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. Did you have shitty jobs when you were when you were wrestling? Did you had to um, to yeah. supplement your your uh, your? I had your life? Uh, two, I think. So I the, the grocery store is probably the bigger one. That was Which like one? My Shout uh, out. Oh. Small local Greek-owned oh, place, okay, okay. yeah, Grand Marche Colfax in Laval. If you're watching, <laughs> shout out to Laval, <laughs> yeah, Quebec, Laval, Quebec, right? Um, and then, like, I, I actually once worked as a seasonal worker for Toys R Us. What does that even mean? Like, you know, for Christmas they get crazy. Oh, 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 right. So right, right. I got hired for like a month. Uh, oh, they they let me go fast because it was a it was an interesting world because uh, so as an Arab and working for Greeks. Like, I didn't really have a set uh, time when I was supposed to come in. It was like, I think nine, but I'd show up around 1030. You just work Wednesday. Like, I just kind of, sh- yeah. <laughs> I worked Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Like, it wasn't really clear what the parameters were. It's kind of great. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, yeah. it was a perfect fit, you know? Right. And then at uh, Toys R Us, that's like kind of my first taste of like working for, uh, I mean, like French Canadian Quebecers who have certain ex- corporate structure, right? Corporate structure, and like yeah. nine means nine. I'd right. show up at nine oh five, thinking I'm on time. They're like, "What are you doing?" You're like, "I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm early, bro." Yeah, 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 dude. I was not gonna come. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just was gonna bail on this whole thing. You're lucky I showed yeah. up. I got like go pretty fast from that one. Uh, that's about it. Uh, then you got into it, huh? Uh, well, actually, I did telemarketing for a minute too, and then. When, what was the first year I really started making? I think I, because I used to write down all the money I would make. You kept the book, kept the books? Well, I would just be, it wasn't, it wasn't like a bookkeeping for tax purposes, I think. It was just like, oh, I did this match on this date for this company and I got paid. I remember like when that pay went from 20 bucks to 50 bucks, I was like, whoa. And when 50, the first time I got offered a hundred bucks. Holy shit. I was like, I'm getting paid a hundred bucks to go to the States? Yeah. To wrestle, like it was mind blowing. So then, I think the first year, 
was maybe 2008. So I'm only about, well, only for me, it was only at the time. I'm like, I'm six years into the business and I'm making 20 grand a year. That's yeah. it. I don't need any other job. That's yeah. it. Yeah. This is my living now. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I've been very lucky, uh, in a lot of ways, but like 20 turned into like 40 the next year, which turned into 50 and right. over time, like, you know, it's just gone up, which is great. And it continues to go up, thankfully. But, um, what was your pay on your very first gig? Zero. What was your first paid gig? I $20. 20 bucks. Yeah. I can actually tell you the first year of my business, in the business, I made $240 and that's because I made $20 once a month. <laughs> so it was very easy to calculate. Yeah. Um, didn't have to file, did you? Yeah. No, no I didn't those... even have to. Yeah. yeah never yeah. mind. Like, never mind lying on taxes. Like, yeah. you just didn't even have to file them. Didn't exist. And you got yeah. paid cash too. Yeah, of course. So that didn't exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, man, that's wild. Was there a moment in your career then when you made a leap to like an, you know, to like a check that was like, holy shit, this is like a life changing leap? Um, because in comedy, we there, kind of know. There's a, there's a couple of moments like that. So there was one, I remember the first time, um, so when I signed for WWE, I actually took a pay cut because it's like, okay, you're signing for WWE. It's like the opportunity to make money. Right. In a sense. Sure. Yeah. I get like, that. I, th I think my last year on the independence, I'm throwing all these numbers out willy nilly, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I was like at the time, right after I left the independence, the independence kind of blew up where guys were suddenly making six figures who were like just starting to make good names for themselves. Wow. Yeah. Cause there was like a big indie boom sure. right after I left. Um, so I think my last year on the independence, I made somewhere around a hundred thousand and I signed my first WWE contract for 39,000. Yeah. Because they're giving, they're Cause saying, it's just, yeah, it's developmental now, but then right. eventually you'll make good money, which is what happened. But sure. so, you know, I wasn't too nearsighted about it thinking like, oh, I'm worth so much more. Like you kind of understand when to take it on the chin and when you'll make it up. Yeah. And, right. I think anyway. No, it's, it's true. But money was like, man, I don't know. I'll. I'll tell you all about money and wrestling and all that stuff in a minute, but all this to say, I got pretty lucky again, even when I signed with WWE, uh, cause you, I, even though I'd already been working for 10 or 11 years, they put you through their developmental program, wow. which is called NXT. And I did very well, very quick. So within about eight months, which is unheard of at the time, cause they usually take two or three years before they start sending you to do stuff. So within about eight months, they started sending me on the road to do road loops, which are like, you know, Oh, Friday in Brooklyn, you know, Saturday in Newark, whatever, like a, a loop, a little tour, mini tour, a four day loop. And I remember like 39 or at that point, maybe I was making 50 grand a year or something. But then that first check came in for that road loop and I opened it and it was like six or seven grand or something. Wow. And I had this like light bulb moment, like, oh my God, that's right. I'm here to make money <laughs> because I've never actually, I know this is super money. cliche. I never even <laughs> thought about money. Dude, I'm telling you, I know it sounds so cliche, that whole thing about when you enjoy what you do, you never work a day in your sure. life. Money was, has always been such a, like, it's so not why I do this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy having it versus not having it. Yeah. As most people yeah, would, yeah, even yeah. though I do carry a lot of guilt for money, but that's a whole other conversation. We can get into that later if you want. Yeah. Are you sure you're not Irish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I was brought up Muslim. So it's yeah, like, you yeah, know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of, yeah. A lot of shame, a lot of a lot guilt, a lot of shame. But you know what? I'm actually pro shame. Yeah. Pro shame. I'm pro shame. You should feel a little bit bad about your success. Y yes. Yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah you should. Like cause... humility bordering on shame. That's like the sweet spot. Yeah. Not too much to where, you know, you hate yourself and you hate life. I tend to lift a little bit more shame than humility. I like to, I like to really slather on the shame some nights and really get sad about it. 
Uh, I try to walk the line, man. Good for you, I man. try to walk the line. But <laughs> Show you me need, your ways. You, you need it. You need it so that you're not a cocky asshole who yeah. loses perspective. Yeah. Like you, a little bit of shame is a de- is a good thing. Yeah, my opinion. Yeah, but we'll circle back to that in a minute. Um, where was I going with all this but, money? But talk? when you got that first check, you realized, yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's right. There's a possibility of making like really good money here one day. Right. That's why I'm here. Yeah. But that's not really why I'm here. I'm just chasing like, I'm chasing the the blueprint. Right. You know, you start here and you get here and you get there and you, one day you get on the big stage and that's just the blueprint. Mm-hmm. That's just what you do. And it's like chasing. I don't even know what you're chasing, to be honest. What are you chasing? Uh, well, I don't know. I say that now because I'm at the pinnacle of it in a way where I'm like, yeah, what am, what are we even doing here? <laughs> but like, I don't know. You're chasing, you're chasing where I'm at right now, which is to be on television every week, doing your art on the highest level for the highest emotional, uh, connection on just on. You're doing your best for the best. Yeah. And getting the best out of it. Are you full? Do you feel full? In which way? Satisfaction from the career? Like it's full. Absolutely full. Yeah. Yeah. You're hungry for more just because you want to continue, but you feel like fully um, satisfied with your- Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm, 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 I'm hungry for like, yes. Yeah. I'm hungry for more, but uh, w- within like, wow, within reason. Like, I don't let it, I try not to let it anyway. Every now and again, like, you know, some um, shallow stuff, you contend with that a little bit, well, right? Yeah, like, you yeah. get caught up in the in the BS and you're on the hamster wheel and you get, you know, tunnel vision sometimes. But really, I just see the whole thing as a privilege. Yeah. And like, if it ended tomorrow, I'd be like, hey, man. Good run. I, <sighs> good run. Good run. Like, good I got run. to do more than most people get to ever do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I. I Let's say it ends tomorrow, which it won't. Yeah. Where Where does Sami Zayn go? Uh, where do you go? Me as a human? Yeah. Where do you go? Uh, home. <laughs> back, yeah. to, back to come back. Uh, yeah. Home. I don't know. I don't think that far ahead. That's good. Yeah. Think right N- now. I never have. Yeah. Like even making it to WWE, in theory, like, I mean, when you're starting, it seems like uh, Mount Everest. It seems like an unattainable dr- I don't know, goal, I suppose you want to call it a dream, but a goal as well. So you kind of just like preoccupy yourself with the immediate goals, like getting booked in Montana or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like you have these immediate goals and they're so satisfying and they lead to these slightly bigger goals. And it's just this like incremental growth. Yeah. But if you enjoy it on, on the the process along the way, and you're not just fixated on like getting to the peak, then the whole thing's just going to rule, you know? And it has. That's my thing. Is the whole thing's ruled. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel the same way about your no, journey? No, I mean, that's or? a great... I like to hear you say it. Well, it's just because, like, our our rat race is different than your rat race. Like, the the thing that is... Like, when you kept the blueprint, you used that phrase twice. And, like, what's funny is, for us, there is none. And there, and what's well, tough is... But hang on. It's tr- that blueprint's antiquated. Because yeah. there are new ways now. Like, there's people in, the, in NXT now, in, like, the WWE developmental... They're signing people like fresh out of college who are like track athletes or or like amateur wrestlers. They'll just sign like whoever. You're right. 19, you're a great athlete. We think you have potential. Come on in. Come do a tryout. They've some of them don't even know what wrestling is. Wow, it's, it's wild. So like it could just be like uh, you know, who was it? Like Keanu Reeves. I don't know who. Maybe it's Keanu Reeves. Maybe I'm making this up. It's some dude just shows up to like 
LA in the seventies, like, wow, you're handsome. Want to be in a movie? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that stuff, right. sure. Yeah. Like, that stuff happens too. Yeah. But there are other people who are the, the grind and you know, the we lessons. All are, yeah. And... We're all grinding. How we get there is usually extremely different. That's the, what's so wild. And, but what we share is yes, it is this like, once I, I guess to answer your original question, once, once I realized that I could make a career out of comedy and that, encapsulates a lot of stuff like mm -hmm. i wanted to do television i wanted to do film i wanted to write i yeah. wanted to do this um once i realized that a while ago it, it felt great yes i get bummed about shit i get down sure. on myself about this or that and this isn't going as well or why isn't this and man i should but yeah for the most part i feel super stoked and full and to quote you yeah it's been rad it's yeah. been super rad and if it all went away uh still rad it was still really, really cool. I was so, still happy it was I got to make people laugh and feel good for so many years. Let me tell you, I just I saw this. So I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, right? Yeah. I've been telling people I'm actually wearing a shirt right now. Look at that. Take off your jacket. <laughs> <Yeah>. Show me <laughs> off. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You use that ever? Yeah. No, no, no. But I should do some Bobo. Do some Bobo. Yeah. You know what I was also thinking? It's like uh if twenty year olds came to your show, they'd be like, Who is this? Who's it? What is this impression? Who's this guy? Yeah, who's He's that doing? man? Cause like, you know, he's transcended. People know Bob Dylan. I think well, you, you, you probably heard of him, but so remember there was, um, man, I think I have ADD cause I'm all over the map. I here. do too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's severe. <laughs> there was a whole thing about a couple of years ago where like Billy Eilish didn't know Van Halen. Do you remember that? I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh yeah, well that kind of makes sense. She was like 19 at the time and also, Van Halen was big in the seventies. Van Halen doesn't know Billy Eilish. So, oh, there you go. I mean, I, I hadn't heard of her until that. That's right, how I so heard who go. she was. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but then I'm thinking, well, damn, if you're 20 years old now, you might not have even heard of the Beatles, to be honest. Maybe, but those are, that's the biggest band in the I world. I know. I would say they might you not You might know have heard like... of them, but you might right. have never, like, gone through your friend's parents' records and they had Yellow Submarine, like, the, the way right. we kind of probably- The way we did. saw them, yeah. Yeah, because when they were done their run and we were kids, they'd only been done about 20, 25 years. Yeah. Like, that's how old California love is now. Right. See what I'm saying? Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> you know? creepy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, how did I get on this subject? Oh, so Bob Dylan. I've actually been telling this story uh, to a bunch of people recently because it's just been stuck in my mind. And there's this one line that, I, I don't know, it just had a profound effect on me, right? So he's getting interviewed. Uh, I, don't, I don't like. I don't even know what the show is. It's just some clip that came across my timeline. And the guy's asking him about the songs he wrote in the 60s because those were just like, you know, unbelievable songs that stand, that's a just unbelievable. And he says something about like those songs, they're almost magically written. Like you could never write something like that now. Yeah. He goes, wait, you don't think you could write something like that now? And he's like, no. But I did once. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I can do other things now, but I can't do that. Yeah. That already happened. And that line, well, I did it once. Yeah. I'm like, God damn. Wow. Yeah. I did it once. Like, what more can you ask for? Yeah, I did it. Dude, he wrote Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah. Like, just because you can't write that song for the next 60 years, you got to write that song once. Pretty great. If, if you get to write, if you get to do one thing that has that kind of effect, one thing on its own you've accomplished more than you know everybody that's what so, yeah if you're a songwriter like what more could you ask for right let alone to have a career that spans 60 years or whatever it is 70 years at this point i don't know what it is for this guy 
But so to me, that's kind of how I view uh, a lot of things. Like, well, I got to do that once. Yeah. Well, because most people, we want an embarrassment of riches. We're preoccupied with the idea that we want a million successes. Having one seems like it's not enough. That tends okay, to happen. So, yes, Culturally, yes, just, yes, like, we tend to just want so maximum many. Maximum growth. Yeah. Like, in, in, infinite growth. Yeah, we're all... Uh, we're all uh, What's that guy? Uh, <laughs> what's the guy I make fun of him all the time on this show? Uh, that small guy who cusses a lot, uh, Gary V, who's like, "Yeah, fucking get the fuck out there and sell your fucking shit." And da da like th- this this new age philosopher of like, "Fuck it, man, fucking take on the world and just get more and get more and keep growing and keep going and da 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 and don't stop and keep grinding." It's infused into culture this thing about like it's never enough. Well, so that's so, and you're touching on something that's important there. Like culture, yeah. which means it's not inherent. No, it's, you know, this it's is societal taught. Built. Yes, it's yeah. Society, yeah. So like once you start to pick that apart, you can like reject it as you please. Huh? You're like, oh, so this is just this thing that was taught to me. It's not an inherent human law right. that we must like achieve as much as we can and destroy whatever's in our path. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, no, no, yeah. that's, that is a value that is culturally taught. And, you know, I think there's economic components, capitalism and all this sort of thing that colors the way we view everything because that is very capitalistic, right? Like maximum growth at all expenses. Yeah. Right. Like what about the environment? It doesn't matter. More money. Yeah. More money. Shareholders. We'll buy a new environment. Right. So I think that ends up coloring the way we view the entire world. Even things that we, we just don't think of it, but even our little chase to success in comedy or wrestling or whatever it is, or even the idea of success. And we can get into a whole thing here about like, why are we drawn to these things to begin with? Cause we're kind of taught like it. So like being an entertainer has a disproportionate social currency. Uh, don't you think? Yes, very much. Like it does. who are you, man? I have no idea. Who am I? Like I what, know. what, what is it about us that makes it worth listening to? Like, it's silly in a sense. Well, we're better than all of you and you better remember <laughs> that at home. Well, we no, are. No, no, Sammy, well, let me on, tell no, them no. how it is. But we are no. if no. society tells you that we are. No. If you're like, hang on, hang on. These people do th- something that we have said is important. Entertainment. Yeah. And that's important. So listen to what these people have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I understand. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And that's a whole other conversation. But, but what, uh, what gives weight to that is that we enjoy entertaining. And most people don't want to be entertainers, but they want to be entertained. So we fill a, we fill a little gap in this world of I, people want to receive stuff and feel different and think about shit and criticize stuff, but they don't want to be the ones to do it. We're the ones either dumb enough or brave enough or, you know, uh, uh, or, or blessed enough mm-hmm. to be able to be the ones that are on the other side of it. So I think maybe it's a combination of uh, delusion. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, or a, delusional. A, a, mi- a missing screw in your head. Sociopaths. An inflated sense of... Uh, self self value, yeah, yeah self worth, yeah. Um, we're pieces of shit. Well, no, but I'm not saying these are bad things no. necessarily uh, on their own, but coupled with a society that tells us, well, that's what's important, right? With yeah. a skill set, though, you have to have a skill to present, right? If you weren't good at your gig, this wouldn't exist anyway. So all this other well, stuff wouldn't so be. So I'm saying this from a really weird position, which is someone who wanted this thing and then got it. Yeah. Okay. 
But what I'm getting at is like, if we have a society that teaches people like, unless you do this thing that is of value. So basically, unless you're rich or unless you're famous, you're kind of worth nothing. And our society kind of weirdly does tell people that not so many words. Right. Well, then you have like, I don't know, a thousand entertainers and like 10,000 rich people. And then uh, just millions and millions and millions of people who are, feel like they're lesser than mm. because they're not either of those things. Dangerous. I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. Unless, <laughs> right? unless you reject the social bullshit, like you said, yeah. and you just get comfortable with the things that you have that you like, that you enjoy. That you say, fuck the, fuck yeah, that idea. I don't idea. think we're really taught, like, I don't think we're really taught to, uh, I don't know. We're not really taught to think on that level. What do you think most people are taught to feel and think then about that? Uh, that you need yeah. to achieve to be worth it? Well, so I don't think they consciously think, hey, maybe the reason I think I'm so depressed all the time or I'm anxious all the time or all these things that I think everyday working people feel, um, like, I don't know if the, the connection is necessarily made. It's because like, oh, because I'm, I'm not rich and famous and society told me that only rich and famous people are worth anything. Right. Like, I just don't think that connection is made. But there's a high faction of people who don't give a fuck about fame or wealth. I would say that there's a lot more people that are like, I don't fucking want to be famous and I don't need to be rich, that I do my thing and I like what I am. Now, I do think that society does have this trick that it plays on the youth that because of the internet, you need to be one of these things, otherwise you aren't worth something. But I think there's many more people yeah, on yeah, the globe yeah. that don't feel that way, that just are like, I don't need to be fucking rich or famous. I don't, would not want that at all anyway. I like this thing that I am that I'm doing. That's what I'm saying about being full. I think there's a lot of people that are full that don't need the other thing that you're talking about. That They, they just don't need it. It just doesn't yeah, hit them. You know, maybe you're right. Yeah. Maybe I was approaching this in a much more glass half empty kind of way. I'm but... full, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm saying I'm saying I'm looking at the negative part I of know. it, but you're looking at all the people that just don't care about they it. They don't give a fuck. But I'm saying, especially in this generation coming up where like, you need a following and you need a this Internet and you need a that. Yeah. Right, and that sort of thing. And like social clout and currency is becoming more and more of a prevalent thing that I can only assume that once you don't have it, that will affect you in a stronger way than it, you know, than maybe it would have 30 or 40 years ago when there was less emphasis put on that. In here, we pour whiskey. Hey, I created my own site a long time ago using Squarespace, one of the most efficient, beautiful, delicious ways to create your own site. I don't know what you do out there while you're listening to me, but maybe you're a yoga instructor, maybe you're a Pilates teacher, maybe you're an artist, maybe you're a musician, and you need a site, okay? And if you need a site, you need to build it on Squarespace because they have everything that you've ever wanted to create a beautiful, uh, wonderful website for people to see, enjoy, and find out more about you and what you're selling. They have appointment scheduling. Uh, if you're looking to create a calendar, let's say you're a fitness instructor and you see you're trying to create a a beautiful calendar for people to use to know when your classes are or when to sign up and reschedule. They also have a video studio, which I've used and I love to create these pro-level videos. Um, and and by the way, the email campaigns and all your connected social media accounts in one spot makes it so easy to connect with your fans or your customers uh, to make your business grow and grow online. The analytics is my favorite. I've talked about this every time with Squarespace because you, you can use the insights to grow your business. You can learn where these site visits and clicks are coming from and analyze which channels are the most effective. So by doing this, I can find out where I'm coming in your city and where you're going to be by how many people engage with traffic online with my site. And that helps me out, sell tickets to get to your town to make you laugh and chuckle. So if you're looking to create your own site, you got to get to Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com slash whiskey for a free trial. 
When you're ready to launch, use the offer code WHISKEY to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Once again, head to squarespace.com whiskey for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Use the offer code WHISKEY to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace, baby. Hey, I recently went to a Dodger game to go see those boys over in Chavez Ravine, and I wanted last-minute ticket deals, so I used Game Time. Game Time is incredible. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and much, much more. The Game Time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price, okay? If you find tickets in the same section and that row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference, okay? What more do you want to know? They are going to fight to find you the best price by far for tickets. Tickets are overpriced. They're expensive. They're ridiculous. Taking a family to a game right now seems insane, but don't plan it far in advance. Don't book a ticket for a vacation three months in advance like your dad used to back when you were kids. Now with game time, you book a ticket to the game so close to the game so you get the best deals. Get images of your seat right before you buy. You know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two tasks, bop, bop, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. You're never going to have to dig through your email, okay? Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code WHISKEY for $20 off your first purchase. Why not? Go see a game. Go have fun. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code WHISKEY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guarantee. Ginger. I like gingers. Well, I'll give you some soothsaying. I, I do predict that in the, decade, in the next decade to come, that will be flipped on its head. I do think because of the oversaturation of the internet and the idea that people want to be big on the internet or known or famous or seen. The pendulum will swing the other way. 100%. I think it'll be the cool thing to be will be to reject the internet. 100%. I believe it. In the next 10 years, you will see a complete exodus from big, massive chunks of social media because people will not want to have so much of their engagement pushed onto the internet because it's affecting everyone's future now that kids can't get into school if they see what your Instagram looks like because they're afraid about seeing you party with a friend that you put up six years ago or something mm. like that. And I think that this this big swing will go away. A new thing will take its place. Nah, Trust something me. always fills that void. 100%. Right? Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, it's chaos. Yeah. But all we can do as entertainers is try our best to have fun while we're here yeah writing that one song do it once yeah fucking a yeah um yeah yeah and like i've gotten to do a lot of things once and you're gonna keep doing a lot of them yeah so i guess like what i'm saying is when you get old real old right what's real old like i don't know in your 80s like okay late late in life i've got four listeners that are 89 so be careful i'm sure they're aware they're older <laughs> you know what i mean like can you imagine yeah did he just say i'm old what yeah <laughs> Fuck Sammy Zane. Uh, I'm saying one one day uh, you're just going to be like an old guy who did something once. Yeah, that's that, it. That's cool. I'm saying that's all you should take. Like that's how you should look at it. It shouldn't be like, well, I made like it won't matter whether you did ten TV shows or you did one TV show. Sure. Or if you, you know, I don't know. But it depends on did, what you want. If you want to do 10 TV shows, good, great. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it's not, I'm, I'm saying the, like, it all comes out in the wash on a long enough timeline uh, where, like, when you're looking back retrospectively and, you know, you're 80 or whatever it is, you're like, or you're talking to your grandkids, you know, grandpa was a comic once. And, like, 30 years of your life are boiled into that one sentence. That's right. Because you're not going to tell them about gigs in Montana and the TV show, like... <laughs> 
You're going to summarize it in one sentence. Unless grandpa's been drinking. Then I'm going <laughs> to yeah. pull over a chair. Let me tell you about <laughs> yeah. Montana. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in, in summary, I was a comic once. That's you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, I kind of tried to look at it as just like, this is this really amazing thing I get to do. And I just can't believe I've been doing it for so long and that I've enjoyed it this entire time. And that somehow I continue every, every year of my career. Literally, since I finished my first year in, mm -hmm. once I did my second year, as my third year was beginning, I go, well, there's no way I'm going to top that. Yeah, I'm done. And literally every single year has been better than the last. Wow. Like, I hope that continues for you. Somehow. Well, I mean, WrestleMania is in like two days and I've got one of the biggest matches. It's crazy. That's nuts. So uh, somehow that's happened. And I, I attribute it a lot to luck, to be honest. I mean- I worked hard. If you're listening to this, I'm doing air quotes right now, but like I worked hard. Sure. Whatever. But like people work harder. A lot know? of people work hard. Way harder. Yeah. At way more difficult things. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So like I, I think luck is pretty big in the equation. Well, I'm glad you got it. I, uh, yeah. Like, luck of look, the Irish. Looked Irish. Luck yeah. of the guys who look Irish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It must be the luck of the guy who looks <laughs> Irish. <laughs> <laughs> right, because the luck of the Irish is actually bad luck. It's terrible luck. Right? What do you mean? A million of these people That's died the because, because potatoes got AIDS. Right. It's like, the, the expression luck of the Irish means you have bad luck. 100%. You have shitty luck. Yes. Yeah. So luck of the guy who looks Irish is like, ah. I don't know. That guy's man. got it. He's yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got the gift. Did you grow up idolizing wrestling or no? Yeah. You did. You were yeah. obsessed as a kid? Because I've talked yeah. to some guys that weren't, that wasn't like- uh, same thing in our world. There's comics that they like comedy, but they weren't obsessed with stand up when they were a kid. I always wanted to be a comic, actually. Did you? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you picked, like it's you all picked just... the right one, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's all, it's just the same thing. It's like spectacle and performance. Entertainment. And it's, yeah. It's yeah. the same. You're like, you're, uh, but, but, but you're actually a clown who's in shape. So that's a, that's a big difference. Well, so, but it... we don't have to be in shape to be clowns. You have to be in shape clowns. So I remember, uh, I remember buff clowns is going to call wrestling. I remember having this thought. I don't, know, I don't know why this thought has tattooed into my head. I remember uh, maybe it was like 2010 or 11. I, I barely used to work out when I was on the independence because like your physique wasn't as important right. on the independence. So uh, I just didn't work out that that hard. What are we talking like twice a week? Yeah. And like there'd be times I'd just go months without working out even. Holy yeah. shit. That's like, right. But I was, because I was scrawny and it was like, I was still getting cheered anyway. Right. And it's just like the part of the allure of that act was that I was kind of a scrawnier guy. Right. So that's like, uh, I don't know. I think comedy, I think this is actually an, over, maybe I'm trying to, there's a reach and I'm trying to create an overlap that may not be there, but I think there's an inherent sense of self-awareness that, um, that comics can play off or like a good performer will play off. It's like, Hey, I understand what you see. And I'm going to exploit that. Yeah. Right. Or I'm yeah. going to use it to my benefit. Sure. Yeah. It's like you can't be a 300-pound fat guy and be out there and like, I'm not fat. What are you guys looking at? Well, like the 200 people in this room see a big fat guy. Yeah. Like You can't go out there and be self-conscious and be like, well, I'm not really that fat. It really yeah. just depends on the angle you look. Like, hang we, on. We got to talk you about You have it. to have the self-awareness and the presence of mind to know what people see, know what their expectations are, and therefore you can either use it, exploit it, or subvert it however you see fit. That's just like us. Right. Same thing. Right. Yeah. Like if, if I've never, and, and I tell actually other wrestlers this who are like starting to come up now, 
I'm like, just assume nobody knows who you are. And that's really the key to being a pretty good wrestler, in my opinion. Yeah. Is just assume somebody in this crowd, not somebody, because it's actually a guarantee if you're performing in front of 8,000 people, I guarantee you at least 50 to 100 people who are there don't really watch wrestling, maybe don't even know what wrestling really is. It's like the mom of a kid or someone's aunt who came with them. People don't know what they're watching. Just assume aliens are here from another planet and they don't even know what they're looking at. Yeah. Then if if you assume that, then everything you do will be coherent. You can't take it for granted that they know who you are. They know your storyline. Right. I'm just sitting in the crowd and, and then you come out. I'm like, oh, here's this like redheaded comic. What's he about? And you have to kind of let me know what you're about, right? Yeah, right away. I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah within the like, first couple of minutes, they got to feel you. Yeah. You yeah. got to like, so you're very aware of like, what am I presenting to these people? Yeah. I don't know if you still approach it this way, because obviously like you've made a name for yourself in your industry. And if someone's going to your show that you're headlining, it's fair to assume they know your act. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But still like, even for me, uh, especially cause I'm on a pretty hot little run as a, as a good guy at the moment. So even now we'll go to a live event and be like, you know, 8,000 people cause houses are up right now. So I don't know, wherever, like, where were we just recently? Whatever. Pick any good city. Yeah. Pick a city. <laughs> you know, pick a city. We're in Chicago. Okay. And then, um, you know, my musical hit and I'll get this really loud, like, ah, ovation i'll be like oh wow wow they really like they me. know who i am yeah i'm like yeah. constantly surprised because i assume zero right and then i have to work to get them to 100 but if we already start at 50 i'm like oh man this is gonna be fish in a barrel yeah we only got to go from 50 to 100 piece <laughs> of cake but my my goal is always to get them to 100 right and the like to me the key and like the craft and the whatever the professional pride or whatever you want to call it is just assume they don't know you, they don't know anything you're about, and you have to educate and reinforce what your act is. And then if you do that, it becomes airtight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they can see that. They see that you're doing, you're you're not mailing it in. You're doing the full act. Even Even for those that already know you, you're still doing the thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, because nothing annoys fans more than mailing in. In our world, in your world, in musicians' world, when we go see a musician who mails it in, it breaks your heart. Yeah. Because you're like, well, I like this guy so much, and I wish these people who don't maybe aren't as familiar could see what I've seen before. So it's like the ultimate sin is to mail it in, is to just be like, I don't even want to be here right now. It's you like, ever well, then seen don't. a band that you really like mail it in? I Unfortunately, multiple times. And I, you know. I shouldn't say that. Are you going to name drop? Yeah, you know what I will say. I will say it. it, Well, it bummed me out actually, because as a kid, you know, growing up, I loved hip hop when I was a kid. I still do. I like all forms of music. But when I was a kid, it was like my first love, and I I went to see Nas one time for my birthday. My 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 at the time girlfriend got me tickets. How old are you here? Uh, this is probably gotta be at least 12 years ago, 10 years ago, maybe. So I was, you know, my, my early, uh, early thirties, late twenties, early thirties. And I loved Nas. I loved Nas. Nas, I still is one of the greatest rappers of all time. Illmatic is one of my favorite albums. And we got really good tickets and I was so excited. And we went and saw Nas and no disrespect to him. It was just, I could tell he didn't want to be there. Right. There's a myriad of reasons. He could have had a shitty day, shitty week, shitty year. I could tell he was like, fuck this. Like you could feel it. <laughs> Every lyric was like labor intensive. 
he didn't really kind of move. He was stagnant. He wasn't really into it at all. And it broke my heart. Now, only as a performer did I give him the benefit of the doubt because I've had days where I'm super bummed. I don't want to fucking perform. I don't want to fly all the way to St. Paul, then all the way to Louisville, then all the way to Jersey, then all the way. To, I don't. There's days where you're like, I don't want to do this, man. I would just want to go home. I'm tired. And you have to fight to not let that seep into your shit. But I gave him the benefit because I thought, I don't know, man, maybe he's going through some shit. But when you see somebody mail it in, it's it's a bummer because you're like, man, I love you and I know you're better than this and you right. know you're better than this. So it's tough. And you it's feel hard. shortchanged. Yeah, it's le- it's to me, it's more like I've, and maybe this is only because we're an internal perspective because we've lived it. I immediately go to, what the fuck is going on with him? Right. We're looking for the behind the scenes aspect. What's going on? What is affecting this performance? Right. Here's a question. Do you think the other people in the crowd that night felt it? I think not as many as maybe me because I was so invested in it because I wanted to feel him and see him do his thing. But I think, you know, I would say probably. I wonder about that. Well, here's the difference. Everyone there was a Nas fan. There was, he is an old enough act now where no one's slipping into that show like, who is this again? Right. That's not happening. Right, 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 right. So everyone was a fan and everyone was kind of vibing. So people liked it. But I would imagine, let's just say 25% of me's were in the room where 75 probably were like, it's great. I'm in Vegas. I'm drunk. Who cares? I was like an intensive fan who was like, oh "Oh, man. This is another case of me perhaps being too close to it. But I, I, uh, maybe I even give people too much of the benefit of the doubt on this one, which could be a gift and a curse. I don't know. But like, I assume that even the 75% of people, I think to an extent still feel it. Yeah, they might. Because I think, so wrestling's a very funny thing because, um, and I'm sure comedy, again, there's got to be an overlap here, but wrestling's a very interesting thing where like, even if you have uh, fans that are not super smart to the business, it kind of like, I feel like humans in general, it, it it teaches you about a human quality, which is this innate ability to suss out phoniness. Yeah. Which I think is like a human survival mechanism. So totally. I think even like, and I'm, you know, not to hand wave people here, but even stupid people can sense when something's phony. Yeah. Like you don't have to be smart to know somebody's a phony or a liar. Of course. Like you're just like, this seems, I'm not, yeah, this I'm seems not buying this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like in wrestling, that's why it's so hard sometimes to um, really, really get it right sometimes because if you're trying something that's not you, fans will kind of suss it out. Oh, yeah. Because like it just doesn't click. And maybe they can't articulate it. Maybe you can't articulate it because you're still trying to, you know, figure it out. But it ain't, it ain't working. Yeah. And the reason is like, it's an unspoken thing. And ma- again, maybe they can't even articulate it, but it's like, I'm just not buying it. Like this ain't real. Everybody feels it. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I think I'm wondering if those 75% on some level level weren't just like, no, no, it was all right. Yeah. Maybe. I really don't know. Yeah. Maybe. But, but, but I do think that I, but I do think that it's obvious when you mail it in or bail as a performer it's obvious to performers more than ever. Yeah. So I always have this, it's tough because we already have the perspective. So I'm always kind of nitpicking when I see live performances, no matter who it is. Yeah. If I saw you, if I saw a musician, if I saw, you know what I mean? Like if I saw you another comic. You can't help but have your performer goggles it on. Sucks. I, it's very it hard sucks. to take off completely. It sucks. I wish I didn't. But like, have you ever had, have you ever had a match where you were exhausted or you had something else personal going on in your life where you mailed it in or bailed on it and you felt bad about it? Or have you 
if you just gone, you've just done it. No matter what, how shitty the gig is, no matter where it is, no matter when it is, you barreled yeah. through. So this is again, maybe like a, a lucky, I don't know how I have this mindset. I just kind of do. I don't think I've ever really had that ever. That's great. Even if I'm like dra dragging my ass or I'm tired or whatever, I really can't think of a single show I've ever done. And I'm talking like ever, even like bad ones where you kind of, I think it's because I've always seen every show as like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? So, okay. I'll give you an example on the independence. Uh, you had these kind of bigger independent shows that had DVD circulation or, you know, they had uh buzz and like they would get talked about on message boards and pre, you know, pre Twitter and all that. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you had good matches at those promotions and it created your buzz. And then based off the buzz you created there, you'd get booked on smaller promotions. Right. So when you were working smaller, like the bigger indies, the pressure was on to deliver the goods. Right. But then when you had that buzz and a small indie was bringing you out, I felt pressure to deliver the goods because my reputation from that last show was on the line for this show. Like I can't go out there, tear the house down on this show. So you're like, wow, I want that guy bring you over and then give you a half-assed performance. Mm -hmm. So I always feel like I have to live up to something. Yeah. And I've always viewed every show as like, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but it's something I have to live up to. Like my name is on the line here. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I can't just go out there and i my name's on the line. It's I true. Like my name's on the line every night. Well, cause you're only as good as your last performance. That's what they always say. Like you're only as good as the last person that saw you do it that y one you time. You know, I, I hear that. And maybe that is my mindset, even though I hate that expression. But it's so true. If I came to see you one time, if I came to see WrestleMania once and you put on a pretty shitty show, that's the way I would remember you. I'm not going to look at all the times that you, I'm not going to go back and look at your your resume and go, yeah, but these were good shows. That's the problem with live performance is they're going to remember that last time they saw you. Yeah. I know it's a shitty expression, but it's, it's unbelievably true. I guess what I'm saying is I almost put maybe too much importance on every performance. Well, that's good. What, <laughs> yeah. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I maybe. mean, it's it's worked out for me. Yeah. But there are times when other wrestlers are like, dude, it's just a, you know, it's just a, it's just a Sunday in Topeka. No, it's not. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? It's everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's everything. It is everything. It is. It is everything because to the person in the crowd, that's the goal is for a moment in time, nothing else exists. Right. We're locked in here, right? We're locked in together. You're so for a moment, it is everything. It's right. everything to me and it's everything to you. Right? Yes. I don't know if I'm getting too like idealistic here no, with this no, stuff, it's but true. like, that's why we're here. Yeah. For it to be everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? hundred percent. If it's not, why, what are we even doing here? It's a waste of all You want me time. to go out there and like be doing the thing, but also be thinking about, oh man, I forgot to mail in my taxes. <laughs> Sue's going to be mad. You know, like, like yeah. that, there's a moment in time where you get to escape all that. You, the performer gets to go out there and escape all that and put everything into this moment. True. And if you do it well, then everybody who's there will be locked into that moment. And then whatever insecurities they have and whatever problems they have in their life in that moment don't exist either. And that's the beauty of what we get to do is for a moment in time, for 20 minutes while I'm in the ring, for me and for all of you, nothing else in this world exists and nothing else matters. That's the beauty. Of yeah, it. that's great. It right? is everything. It's everything. It's everything. And if it's not everything, what are we doing what here? What are we doing here? <laughs> Why are we even here? <laughs> Again, maybe that being a little- Very uh, you know, very deep and philosophical. No, but maybe I'm being melodramatic about the whole thing. But to me, that uh, 
No, because it shows that you give a shit and you caring is is why you have collected a fan base. That's why people want to see you because you care. Yeah. If you don't care. And I think that's another subconscious thing. Sure. And I think that's like a timely way to do it because it becomes like, man, I've been watching this guy for five years and it's always good. Huh? <laughs> you know pretty I mean? good man it, it takes like five or six years for it to click yeah like oh wait a minute it's not just this time or last time it's every time it's every time. and it's that consistency at least in my career there are other people who've got like like i'm getting this lightning in a bottle this last year i've had in my career has kind of been this weird lightning in a bottle type thing where the right storyline with the right players and everything's connected and it's somehow taken me to a really like a higher level now uh and it's really funny that this lightning in the bottle moment I caught it 20 years into the business. You know what well, I mean? Well, it's an overnight success story, you know? <laughs> right. It's like the you, overnight success story of like- 20 years. 20 yeah. years of this that's every what, that's single time. That's how it works, yeah. Comedy's the same. Some, same for, thing. For some. Yeah. But I'm sure there's somebody who walks up like, you know, was it like Eddie Murphy? It was like 20 or something when he did Raw. Yeah. Or Delirious yeah, or something. Was a child. Like, yeah. Yeah. It happens. There's prodigies and there's but guys who get it quick, but then there's also guys like, you know, Colbert or Steve Carell that- or even like Brian Cranston, the guy really, really got forever. His prime was like in his fifties. I mean, Clooney was the same story, right? People know George Clooney, but he did so much whatever television forever and ever and ever until he finally hit. Right. It's not like he got handsome. He was always a good looking guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he was always a good looking, cool, smooth guy. It just, yeah. it just didn't. Nobody saw it until they saw it. Then when they saw it, they were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. Look at this guy, huh? Yeah. Uh, who's this overnight success? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fucking, he's like, I'm 44. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? I love those stories. No, but that's- Those that, are my favorite. Those are the good ones. Because yeah. the other ones kind of suck. You don't, you boo the guy that got it right away. That's kind of a, it's like, uh, who gives a shit? You got it right away. The, yeah. the struggle is kind of part of the fun. The struggle is everything. To, for the audience, especially. Because then they know the story that you built. And, you know, when, when, when you have that history, it adds more to your present. So I think like- Again, not to get overly profound here, but like the struggle is everything, right? Um, I wonder if the reason that resonates with the audience is because maybe on an like intrinsic level, we already know that. Uh, like we kind of know the meaning of life without actually knowing it or being able to articulate it, which is like the struggle is the thing. It's all the thing. It's not the thing. It's the struggle to get to the thing. Right. Cause you wouldn't, it wouldn't be, there's no payoff. Like you said, you, you're this, you're this nice guy. And then there's also the dramatic heel that has to exist for you to even like the, the other side of it. Like it has to, the shit has to be there because then it makes the good stuff taste better. That's just a part. Have you ever read a book called some, do you know what this is? Some no, no. S U M. I highly recommend it to anybody listening. If you're curious about a conversation about life and death and what happens in the afterlife and where do we go and what does this all mean, this is kind of a comedic take on that. I've spoken about it on the show years ago, but I reread it again because I told my mom and dad about it because we were talking about my grandmother passing away and the presence of, you know, of life and death and where do they go? Do people yeah. go anywhere? Is that a thing? Blah, blah, blah. And in this book, he kind of dictates amongst many stories, one of them being, would you rather have all the pain in the world, all the suffering, all the crying, all the feeling of a broken bone, all that stuff compressed into one moment, and then all of the happiness compressed into one moment, or would you rather have it kind of sectioned off as life goes on and divvied out where you have happy months and sad months and, and beautiful uh, years and then tougher years, and everybody unequivocally picks the latter because... 
the beauty of life is that it's this ever-changing chaos and it is everything because the only way you're going to appreciate the yeah is when you have the boo that's the only way it exists it's all relative it's 100 percent. you'll never you'd never know the other side you know you'd never know and on that note tell me how uncomfortable uh wrestling boots are truly well mine are like tailor-made for my foot yeah, but you wore shitty boots over the years for sure. There's no way you you still when you were starting out, were you when, wearing? Yeah, when I started, I borrowed someone's boots that were a size too small, and that kind of sucked. And I, for, like wrestling boots are four hundred bucks, which again I was making twenty dollars. Are they more. really four hundred dollars? I think they're up, but more now. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. that's even to me that's crazy. That was twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're costly. I mean, it, you know, it's like how often do you have to change them? Uh, I change mine. So I'm a weirdo though because I've kept the same design for my boots for my entire career. You've never changed your design. My yeah, I don't know why. Is it you, laziness or is it is you're content with it? Uh, it's like this weird thing where I had them for like uh, probably twelve years. I've changed, you know, I've had maybe three sets of each set lasts me about four or five years. And then at a certain point, I was like, wow, I've been wearing th- these boots for ten or twelve years. I'm like, I think I'll just wear them my entire career. That was you made the decision. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I I changed. I also wore like tights my whole career, and then maybe four years ago, three years ago. I started wearing like pants, yeah, like a pant, not just the, you know, spandex tights. So that changed. And I thought, well, if I'm changing my look, I should change everything. But the boots stayed. Yeah. The boots remained. Uh, and yet the boots remained. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. I don't know what sickness in my head is just like the boots. No, no. Like that's the constant. Yeah. But that's nice. That's your, like, that's your uh, baseball player uh, underwear inside out thing. That's like oh, your, maybe. it's like your superstition, so to speak. Maybe. Even if you're not superstitious, you, we all have like a little thing. Yeah. We all have a little all performers, I feel like, have a little weird thing that you keep that kind of gives you a semblance of comfort or what, I mean, or whatever that is. Do you have a boot deal, by the way? No. You don't, does anybody ever get a boot deal? Is that a thing? Um, uh, I don't know about- Like how basketball players have uh, oh, shoe no, deals. no, 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 no. Ah, you know what? Why no. wouldn't they do that? Because like there's not a market to sell wrestling boots. Yeah, but just as collectibles. <laughs> Um, we're starting here today. Santino yeah. and Zane's <laughs> wrestling boot Santino collectibles. SantinoZaneBoots.com. Right. In here, we pour whiskey. whiskey. Hey, everybody poops. Get over it. We all do, and you want something that moves you right. Hey, as I get older and I sniff 40, I want to be moving every single day, and I want to be moving right. I want to feel good. And uh, Seed has the fix. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic supports healthy regularity, healthy motility, and ease of evacuation. Get it out of there. There's also increasing research on the gut-brain axis, which Seed is currently researching in partnership with Axial Therapeutics. All right, this capsule that they got, uh, this capsule and capsule via cap, safeguards viability through digestion for delivery of an average of 100% of their probiotics starting uh, to dose to your colon. The outer capsule also serves as an elegant barrier to oxygen, moisture, and heat. No refrigeration is necessary. Come on, you can keep it right on your counter. Uh, I gotta tell you, the DSO-1 by Seed, their daily symbiotic has four specific probiotic strains that have been shown to promote healthy skin and reinforce a healthy gut-skin axis. You wanna feel better on your rumba-dum-tumbly, and you wanna have better skin and feel better about your insides and how they're moving around both your skin and your gut have similar jobs to manage what comes into your body from the outside world and then communicate and relay information back to your body's nervous immune and endocrine systems and DSO-1 daily symbiotic is an effective way to start supporting your gut microbiome while nurturing your gut skin access for healthy glowing skin. How do I get this, Andrew? Start a new healthy habit today. Visit seed.com slash whiskey. Use the code whiskey to redeem 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. That's seed.com slash whiskey. 
for 25% off your first month. Seed.com slash whiskey. Use that code whiskey. Baseball is back. Peanuts. Let me get some peanuts. Old style. Old style. I miss hearing that at Wrigley Field. The old style hawker running through the aisles uh, who obviously had a bad back carrying 55 pounds of old style on. But I got to tell you, baseball is back and my bookie is going to be your one-stop shop for all your betting needs. Lock in features on your favorite club to win the World Series or take advantage of crazy boosted odds via the MyBookie money bag. A lot of people have been using uh, MyBookie in my circle. I started using it, and man, do I love it. They make it simple and easy to sign up uh, and play. You bet, you win, and they pay. Give me the money. Sign up today at MyBookie. Use the promo code WHISKEY to secure first deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's pretty simple. You deposit $200, and you play with $300 instantly. Use that promo code WHISKEY to claim your bonus while you're out there betting on big baseball. Whether you're a diehard or casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. MyBookie is great and reliable, and you will get paid. Bet on your boys to win it with MyBookie. It's never been easier. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Ginger. I like gingers. No, I just feel like... Because... As an outsider who's not a massive fan of the, who I only know so much about it, uh, I always thought, why, why isn't there some sort of s- signifying thing about the boots to the wrestler that the fans could? Well, then... a lot of wrestlers don't wear boots anymore. Yeah, I see I get, like yeah, crazy, and I kind of don't like it because that's like the weird traditionalist part of me is like wrestling and wrestling boots. Yeah, sure, put on, put on your boots. Yeah, man. put put on your boots. What are, you know? What are you doing? Yeah, put on your boots, <laughs> yeah, pal. Yeah, that's the Canadian lace them up. You. you know, lace up it's your like, boots, Bob. It's like, it's like that expression. Oh, he's one of the best ever. Lace up a pair of boots. Right. But you got guys going out there in Jordans and stuff now, and I'm just like, what? What happened to this business? <laughs> and <laughs> back in I mean? my day, yeah, exactly. Russell wanted to wear wrestling boots. Um, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. But it's funny that I never really examined that about that. Um, Make sort it. of like holding on to something. Yeah, you did. So because I do know I, I have a different aspect of my life where I do that, which is my car. Oh, you love your car. Well, my car is a 2004 Nissan Altima. Okay. And I've had it for 10 years, uh, 12 years, 12 years. And you're never going to let go of that thing. Well, I mean, like people see me driving in it and it's like, so I was, uh, you know, I enjoy conversations like this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always kind of wanted to be like a barista or a cab driver. Uh-huh. You know, like drive like a New York, like drive a cab. I'm like, so how are things? You know, I'm like, yeah. just have these conversations. Sure. I like to chat. Um, so I was like making a joke recently about uh, maybe I drive Uber just for, you know, not because I need the money, which is I'm grateful, you know, to. But just to, for fun. Just to, for fun. I just want to drive for fun. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my God. My car is probably too shitty. Yeah, for Uber. To, to, for Uber to even like to meet Uber's guidelines. Yeah, probably. And like I could obviously I'm thank God, once again, I can afford a very nice car now. Um but you don't want one. And I just want to drive my 04 Ultima because like I don't know. <laughs> it's like the last, and I think this is it, is I think it's like the last piece of not like uh you know rich asshole me it's keeping it's like you the la- grounded it's the last yeah. piece of keeping it real yeah that's you keeping know what i mean real. it's like this money pre- uh th- this car predated money and it predated uh whatever success you know quote unquote success i see a lot of people it. do that though they that's a car thing is weird because like for some reason there's a, a bunch of before, like zach alfanakis you know who that is yeah alfanakis for the longest time uh, had a, uh, like an old uh, subaru i think it was or something like that he held on to forever and he was and he had I mean, 
hangover money. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. fuck? He could yeah, have bought yeah, yeah. a spaceship and floated around. But he around. held on to it. Well, yeah, he might long. still have it. I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. But the, so you know what's funny? He liked it. I had almost this exact conversation on a podcast hosted by Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's oh, yeah. maybe the biggest wrestler of, of all time. Top probably five for sure. Yeah, probably. And he told me he drives a 2003 Ford Focus or something. What the fuck? So he outdid me by a year and yeah. it blew my mind. And we got to get you an older car. <laughs> yeah. Let's get you an old one. Because no, because if it's, yeah, exactly. If it's too old, then it's like vintage and retro. And no, no, then it's like, cool again. I just need, yeah, I need something that's like, oh, this shouldn't be on the road. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's what I need. <laughs> We'll let, we'll get you an old Nissan Cube. We'll get you we'll get you a different Nissan. It'll be a Nissan I Cube. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, like it's, I like a, that though. It's, it's, a, it's it's well also you you don't need the flashy thing. Obviously, it's not you, you know. Well, I think that's another thing is it's like it's a bit of me is like uh I also do have a bit of a contrarian mind, mindset in some respects and it's like no, I reject this idea of I've always even when I was super poor I always rejected the idea of status symbols. I just thought it was stupid. Silly, yeah. Silly. Like, oh, you're cool because you, like, even now, I don't want to judge people here, but I see someone with a Louis Vuitton bag, and I shouldn't say this because half our locker room has Louis Vuitton bags, but yeah. I just see them, and it's so hard for me to not judge. Because you're like- Because I have this, yeah, because I'm like, that is just a status symbol. You can't tell me you like that design. It's the same design on every bag. <laughs> There's nothing unique or distinct about it. It's strictly a status symbol. Yeah. And how you fall for that, I'm not, okay. You know, like I have to stop myself from doing that. Have you, you could, ever gotten into that argument with someone that has the bag? Oh no, it's no, far no, no. too offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Even now, I hope this doesn't get, like, somebody's going to, oh, for sure, take this little- I like sneak, that you're yeah. like, I hope it doesn't get out. Yeah, yeah. Three yeah, cameras yeah, are on yeah. us and we're rolling. But I'm actually kind of forgetting that cameras are on because we're just good chatting, thing. right? No, but you're right. I know what you mean by like, that. Like, I is, fundamentally reject the idea of the status symbol. Unless, well, what if the status symbol has- status with it because it's a phenomenal product where's the value in that right like hmm. like look like at a fancy car right like this like i like cars i'm the opposite i'm in love with cars i'm obsessed with cars mm -hmm. and like a fancy high-end car uh let's just take well, for because example of high performance that's what i'm saying so sure. if the performance outdoes the status symbol sure that's the I balance can't fault you for that uh, i mean right, look right, hey right. listen i'm like i have i'm very snooty about a lot of the things i like like yeah coffee i'm not gonna get Whatever, like Starbucks. Going, you can say it. You don't no, drink no, Starbucks. Like, yeah, or whatever. You know, an absolute pinch, I might. But like, <laughs> I need coffee nerds making my coffee. Yeah, you right, know what I mean. Right, right, right. right Any right. losers who are like take it way too seriously. It's their entire life. That's your okay. Now we can talk. Right. What What are the flavor? What's the flavor profile? Right. What are, which 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 one's the fruitiest of the bunch? Oh, it has a floral kind of thing, and it's kind of complex. Now we're talking because I'm coffee snob. A bit of a coffee snob. I like this. And even with like my food or my, because I'm vegan, so. I don't just like stop at McDonald's late at night or eat Wendy's or whatever. I'm like, I'm seeking out my food. Yeah. And so it's deliberate and it's intentional. And it's very specific. And I, yeah, I want quality. I'm not talking, I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing quality here. I want to be clear. I'm not anti-quality. <laughs> just Louis Vuitton bags. I'm anti-status symbol. <laughs> I get I'm anti the idea that you wear this thing mindlessly. It's like, that's, I think part of it to me is there's an implying mindlessness to it. Yeah. Like, oh, this is the thing you do when you're rich, so I'll just do that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I know I'm being judgmental. Sure. And I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay, I am. But that's- If the quality, out, if the performance outweighs the symbol, it's worth it then. Sure. Right. If it's a thing that does what it's supposed to do to such a high degree, then it's worth the money. If it's the best of the best. It's the best of the best. But if it's a handbag- if it's a handbag, also not, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Don't get, don't yell at me. 
interesting that a lot of guys have handbags now. A lot of guys have handbags now. That's a what whole, do you mean? Well, hand, you said in the locker room, guys have oh, them. T- well, like the girls have like the Louis Vuitton, but you see guys with like the backpacks. That's or what I mean. But the bag, bags, bags or... is a big deal for men now. A lot of men wear satchels and bags and all that well, stuff. Well, they're very practical. I guess I don't. I yes. wore a fa- I got made fun of for a very long time for wearing a fanny pack on the road. Yeah, I would make fun of you. See, mm, your your yeah. your judgment about the other side is <laughs> yeah. me judging. That's but a ridiculous was, thing. But that was strictly practical. I get it. I get you know, it. I was it's on these st- tours. My passport was in there. My wallet was. in I'm there. I'm still gonna make fun of you. Fair play. See, because I said like <laughs> with Rogan, I always said yeah. that Joe would wear that and he would always shit on me and be like, "Oh, I can't believe you're putting all your stuff in your pockets. You could put it in there." And I said, "I know, but it just looks silly to me. I don't know what That's it fair. is, but That's it fair. does." And look, but it me, is practical. Let it me really also is. say this: but so are cargo pants, and I don't want those around anymore either. You're a cargo pant guy. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's what I mean. They're I, practical, but I just don't I, like I them. I understand. I understand. But I, I want to. I'm going to backpedal here a little because this is my. <laughs> this is my. This is my um, mental sort of game. This is your mental jujitsu. Is where I come out with like old habits, which yeah. is like judgment or whatever. Then I stop and I think about it and I kind of go, ah, it's not their fault. You know, there's a reason <laughs> why everyone is the way they are. True. So even the people that like status symbols. There's some reason in their life for whatever it is that they want to embody that or they want to project that. Yeah. So like I find myself forgiving people very quickly, but what I wish I can get to the point of is skipping that first step of like Louis Vuitton. I wish I could just skip that and be like, I'm sure they have their reasons. And just keep, you know, like, I wish I could, st- I wish that could be my default setting. Totally. I'm not quite there. We'll get you there. I'm still at like judgment. Wait a minute. Think about it. Nah, eh, it's not their fault. We're all just, you know, we are who we are for a reason. Anyways. La, 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 la. Yeah, 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 yeah. Off to get really specific coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, I, but yeah. I agree with you. I've learned to become a little bit more zen about that shit. Yeah. And I think it only came from, um, I think it just came from like other people infusing their who gives a shit on me and i i used to be extremely like well what the fuck and i had a comment for everything Mm. and not to say i don't i still do as a comedian yeah yeah. my part of my job is be an observational asshole yeah but then i you'll meet someone who's more zen than you and more balanced and you'll say a comment like look at this fucking guy's wearing this thing and Mm -hmm. and then they'll go oh yeah so, and then they skip through it and they you're just like, don't care at all. Oh fuck. I, why do I give a shit? Yeah. If that guy likes that thing, how could I, I, I've learned to become a little bit, like I used to say yeah. when I was super broke and I was living in this, um, just repulsive, disgusting apartment with like three other men and it was fucking the worst. And my car got broken in, my Hyundai got broken into and they stole CDs oh. and we lived in a, like a shitty little area and it was just a it was just a bummer place, and I was broke and fucking just eating my way through ramen noodles every night. And this, quick question, yeah, finish the story. But yeah, how do you look back on that time now? Um, I blank it out of my mind. No, I'm kidding. No, I think about it all the time. Is it a? Is it? Do you have fond memories of it more than unpleasant? Memories? Oh, totally. I do. Right. Of course, of course. But, so, but it was think, a shitty. Okay, well, shitty let's time. circle back. No, to what, that. I carry gonna, on, I'm sorry. what I was just going to say okay. was in the in the apartment complex next door, which uh-huh. was equally as dog shit in the same shitty little area. It wasn't like. The apartment was any nicer. There, there was a guy who had a brand new Porsche, a brand new Porsche. I mean, it had to have been maybe two years old, max. And I was like, "How the fuck is a guy yeah. who lives here 
driving a hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollar car. <laughs> We're living the same shitty ramen life. What yeah. the fuck is this? Yeah. So I used to judge it, and and I would, you know, I would talk shit about it to the to the guys, or I would always make comments, or I'd think about it as I'd pass it. Sometimes walking through the alleyway, and then I got old. Then you get older, and you also realize, well, man, if that makes that fucking guy happy. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Why would I give a shit? I mean, I don't think it's a move I would make, but also- <laughs> that is, that, it, Ultimately, that is what it boils down. It's like, how does this affect me in any way? And, uh, nothing. It doesn't. Yeah. That's the irony of all this stuff. Right. It's like, it doesn't affect you. What the fuck do you care? I, it, it, it has no bearing on my happiness or my future. I'm spending more time being annoyed at somebody's choice that yeah. I think is stupid. Yeah. You know, the only person who is affected by this is you. Me. That's just the, walking around angry needlessly. That's right? what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's the trick. That's the yeah. Louis Vuitton bag. It's yeah. like, fuck it. What do I care? So when I meet somebody or I have friends in my life who have extremely Zen shit that I am struggling to get because I have this Irish Catholic, you know, Italian anger, like yeah. this fucking guy in my veins. <laughs> it's hard to like push that out. It's hard to like get rid of yeah. it. But I yeah. slowly have learned. Who gives a fuck? Well, Why so, do but I my, care? my thing comes from a slightly different perspective. It's not even the Zen of like, you're right. You're right about what you're saying. But I, for me, it's not even, oh, why bother caring? For me, it's like a softness that uh, came later in life. Like, this is going to sound extremely patronizing, but I kind of like, I feel sorry for everybody. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. You feel bad. I feel bad, but for everybody. Like for everybody. Because everyone's going through something? That's right. Yeah. Because like, you know what? Again, it goes back to like, they are the way they are for a reason. Sure. And if you're carrying this around, like, I don't know what led to this, but like, hey man, do you. Do you. You know? And like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know? like, (laughs) But I don't mean that. I know that can sound extremely condescending or like patronizing, but I mean, I really mean that sincerely. I have like a genuine, it's like uh, empathy, I suppose might be the word. Yeah, it's empathy. (laughs) Like, oh, you're a human too. And, uh, you know, this is a product of things that have happened to you. And I'm sure you had a tough life. Uh, and again, not in a patronizing way, but we all like being humans hard. Yeah. And I've been pretty lucky to not go through a lot. Although maybe I have, and my perspective shape colors are different, but I don't think I've suffered very much compared to the amount of human suffering that's out there. Sure. Like I'm at the bottom. I'm like... Uh, I'm a one percenter when it comes to like suffering. minimal human suffering right. in my life. Extremely lucky. That's great. Yes. But like the human experience, as you said earlier, is filled with suffering. Totally. So it's like, oh man, I'm sorry that I'm you have to go through that sorry too. Sorry you're suffering. So if like- <laughs> The next time you pass a Louis, if a Louis bag Vuitton room, bag somehow makes its way into the equation- like, hey, that's cool, okay? <laughs> you know what I, I mean? want you to pass someone with a Louis bag and just go, sorry for your suffering. I have talked way too much about the Louis Vuitton bag. Now there's no coming back. This episode of Whiskey Ginger is sponsored by Louis Vuitton. <laughs> oh, man. No, I but, I, but you, I get You get it. what I'm saying? I get it. I get like, it. even, like, not to get political, but like Donald Trump, right? Yeah. I'm, like, Loves whatever. Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Loves Louis Vuitton. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that would be great. Yeah, he's- no, I'm a big Louis collector. You know, I'm the biggest one on earth. There's times if I just look at him as just a human, I'm like, damn, man, it's got to be tough. Yeah. To be that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carry that all the time. All that weight. I, yeah. Yeah, but like that might be a bad example <laughs> because, like, well, then again, I don't want to go down the wrong path here with all this fine. stuff. It doesn't matter. But like, I'm saying if you just look at people as human beings and nothing else. Yeah. Like, ah. What a nightmare. T- tough go, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's all. It's true. That's it. Like, So maybe I, we should still, all be doing that. 
Look at everyone like a yeah. human instead of the thing that you think they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for boiling it down so <laughs> wonderfully. That's exactly it. it. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. So I'm not good at that. I'm not good at summarizing it in a perfect little tidbit. I'll I just like you. ramble. Yeah. I'll feed you feed I, me yeah. and I got you. You know, I've noticed I have a couple of comic friends and they're very good at doing that. They take what you're saying and they're like, ah, and succinct. Push it down. Yeah. Right. Succinct. Succinct. Yeah. Get it down to its it's it's get it down to the cut all the fat. That's what we used. We like to say that as comics and when people are writing jokes and you yeah. have a friend helping you. They'll say, I right, cut the fat, cut the fucking fat yeah. out of it. They say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Just cut the fat out of it. Yeah, in your industry, it's a cut the fat out. Otherwise, yeah. you're not on TV anymore. No, no, but like, for sure, when you're putting stuff together, you're like, ah, this cut is- Cut the fat. Oh, you know, especially in uh, promos when you're talking. So that's actually my process, because I'll come at an idea, uh, let's say when we're talking about wrestling now in an interview, and you have a six-minute talking segment. I have all these things I want to say. So it's kind of like, this is the process I have if I have a, a, a writer working with me. Right. I'm like, here, just- Here's a lot. Help me whittle it down. That's ba 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 ba. This is, okay. What's you know? And then I just trim it Key down. Key points and trim it down. That's it. And the the last like year or two, especially maybe even three, the more time I've had, um, the more reps I've had with live television time and interviews and all that stuff, the more you start to realize, man, like there's so much fluff. Yeah, you can say so much less. And get so much more out of it. Say less, but, get more. Yeah, and that's I guess that's the art, and that's the that just takes time to learn. There's no other way to learn it but that. Right? Doing time. it, yeah, doing, doing it, it and being like, oh, didn't need that. Oh, right. I didn't need that. <laughs> didn't need that. You can just come out there and say one line sometimes, right? If you do it right. What's up, bitch? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude, and that would actually pack a punch, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you're going down. Who was your when you were a kid? Who was the wrestler that you thought was king? Who was king to you? Uh, the king shifted several times depending on where I was at in my childhood. Sure. So it started like Hogan when I was Hogan a kid. Hogan was always the king. Right. Yeah. And then as I got a little bit older and being Canadian, Bret Hart yeah. was my guy. Yeah. And as I became a teenager, Mick Foley was my guy. Foley's the man. And the Hardy Boys. Yeah. Because the Hardy Boys were extremely relatable to me. I was, they were like kids who wrestled in their backyard. Right. And they weren't giants and they had awesome matches. I'm like, oh my God, this you could were, be me. That was you. Yeah, this yeah. could be me. Yeah. And actually that's like, that's when I was turning 15, 16. I was like, well, I should just get trained to be a wrestler. That's what kind of made it uh, an attainable thing. The Hardy Boys kind of led you down that Mick path. Mick Foley's book specifically and the Hardy Boys, because Mick Foley's book talked about his journey and, you know, um, that, that kind of pulled back the curtain in a way that I don't think had pu been pulled back. And like uh, the idea of like wrestling schools sure? and what happens at a wrestling school and what it takes, like the hustle that we're talking about earlier and sleeping in your car and all this stuff. Of course, to me, I, I romanticized it. Like, wow, that's like paying your dues. And that's like that. And now he's here. And it is, roman the it is romantic. Yeah, it though. is very romantic. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, when they're doing it, I think like that's you asked me about the house. Yeah. When you said about that, like those fond memories I have of sleeping, of living in a place, sharing a bathroom with, with three other guys. And, and because I lived it's all in part a dining of the struggle room. And the it was kind of nice. Yeah. Like, in also, you can, you can relate to everyone also doing it. The beauty of the community when you're, when, you're, when you're doing that is it's the same reason I'm from Chicago. It's the same reason I love and miss Chicago because communally you complain about the Cubs or the yeah. weather or the L or yeah. the, and that communal bitching, yeah. it's so warm. It's, yeah. it's so warm. I don't care yeah. how cold it is in Chicago. I know. Complaining about something I, as a group. I've said the exact same thing about Montreal. There's like something about living in cold weather. Yeah. That brings people together because you're all it's 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 all of you united against the common enemy of right. which is the weather and the cold. The weather. Yeah, you're suffering as one. 
Yeah. We're all suffering. You know, like yeah. you're shoveling and your neighbor and you look at him and you're ah, I believe right. this shit. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is yeah. beauty in that. There, of course there is. Yeah. Of course. But that's a, where the struggle comes from. That's where that fantasy yeah. of the Hardy Boys and the romanticizing yeah, yeah. of like- So I'm pro-struggle. Pro-struggle. In, yeah, in addition to being pro-shame. Pro-shame, pro-struggle. Pro-shame, pro-struggle. <laughs> yeah. So when you got, when you had the influence and you started, did you go to school right away when you were 16? Um, so my story's kind of interesting in that regard. So I was finishing up high school. I was 16. And when I was 14, uh, I lived in a certain part of town and the kids who lived in that town got rezoned to a different high school. So the last two years of high school, I went to a different school. And then as I was about to graduate, I got a call from my friend from my old school who I hadn't heard from in two years. And when you're 14, two years is an eternity. It's forever. Yeah. So I got a call on my home phone, you know, <laughs> Hey, it's, uh, this guy, Steve Testoni. He's like, hey, Rami, it's Steve. I'm like, oh, hey, man, what? How you been? <laughs> it's been two years. Yeah. Oh my god, like, I haven't seen you since yeah, the war. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> He's like, well, I got a job as an intern on this wrestling radio show in Montreal, and there's a local independent wrestler here. And if you're still interested, because we used to always talk about you know wrestling and art class or whatever. And did you wrestle too in high school or no? Uh, not really. No, no. no I don't think my high school had a team or anything like that. But we would talk about wrestling. We were wrestling when the gymnastics equipment was out. And like, we're always just wrestling and talking about wrestling. And we were, we'd say, well, one day we'll be a tag team and all this stuff. Right. And he, he reached out and he's like, well, if you're, do you still, are you still interested in wrestling? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, this guy will train us if you're interested. I said, yeah. Wow. And so then I graduated high school and I started training and I, you know, I'd read Mick Foley's book about, you know, the eight hour drives for a $20 gig and all that kind of Hell thing. Yeah. And I'd be there like on the city bus for 20 minutes going like, man, I'm, I'm on the bus. I'm on the city bus going to get trained. Like it's the I'm same. Doing it. Yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah. But there was something about that. Like, yeah, it's not eight hours to, you know, but it's still, I'm doing it. There yeah. is something to that. I'm doing it. You were. Uh, and then like getting trained and then like going to these really small, uh, companies and just asking them if I could wrestle for them. And, and how I, often was it? No. Oh, no, no, it was all yes. They were like, yeah, sure, yeah. You're dumb like, enough to get in here? This is the Quebec independence scene in, <laughs> okay. in 2002. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't the know. standards are not high. I'm like, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm a wrestler. Can I wrestle on your show? Oh, yeah, sure. We run every Friday. You're good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there was no money involved. Didn't matter. They, yeah. But you got to do the thing. I got to do the thing. That was us going to open mics. As yeah. comics, you would just go to open mics and you kept going and going and going and going and going. And they and don't going. pay. It's zero dollars. Yeah, so zero dollars. Yeah. Sometimes you got to bring somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. that, like a bringer show? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. You'd have to get people from like either your office or people in the neighborhood or someone you knew to come in order for you to perform. So I say, get, bring three people and you can perform. Right. So you'd fist fight to get people. You'd be like, please come watch me. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. People like, I don't want to go to that fucking coffee shop. Dude, that, that place sucks. And you're like, please. It's the only way I'm going to be able to do five minutes, maybe, usually three, because they light you fast and get you the fuck off yeah, yeah. yeah you get yeah. the light they'd bring up their you know yeah, yeah let's go and you're like i just got out of here yeah. <laughs> this is my time yeah. yeah 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 that that thing uh you were doing it so just because it was not eight hours the city bus is still doing it yeah you were going to do the thing to make no money over and over and over and over and over and over again yeah and so the um again there are so many parallels i think with stand up and wrestling but the, the one difference that makes it so unique is the physical aspect is wrestling like hurts your body? Well, for sure, right? So I remember doing matches. And ours hurts our brain and our heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it does a bit of both if it goes bad, right? But yeah. Um, but if you go and you do, I do like a, a I, again, just a distinct feeling of doing a show 
and then catching like the last Metro home. Cause I lived in Laval and I would do a show in like East end Montreal and catching the last Metro on the last bus and just being like beat up and being like, ah, oh, I'm doing it, you know, and just yeah. being beat up. And that just adds a different, I don't know what it is. No, it does. It adds something else. I don't, sure. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the physical element makes it more like, uh, it's almost like when you- High stakes. High stakes, yeah. And going back to, you know what you were saying about like phoning it in? Uh, I'm sure tons of wrestlers have phoned it in or like, let's just give them the hits tonight or whatever, you know, I'm sure. Uh, but I think part of what the difference between, let's say, I don't even want to say Nas, because even performing musical- musical like that that stuff takes more of a physical toll than i think people realize totally does jumping up on stage and all that stuff but well you're just giving and giving and giving dude talking for an hour when we do an hour yeah, of comedy spent people have end. no idea yeah they assume they're like come on let's go let's go out and have something to eat or drink and yeah, you're like yeah yeah dude i want to go to bed yeah <laughs> i fucking i just had yeah i just yeah. exhausted my brain and right. my body it doesn't look like it yeah but it really is obviously not physically taxing but it's but it's emotionally draining. A hundred percent. It's draining, and you have the physical element, which well, is the, the, the only reason I bring it up is because I think it's harder to phone it in when fi- like physicality is involved. Yeah, true. Because in it, like, there's no way for your system not to get boosted once your blood starts moving right. and you're moving around. So I think even guys who go out there ready to phone it in once they're cooking, you don't have like, a choice. You're kind of cooking. You know yeah. what I mean? Who's like, the, who's the best competitor you, you've gone up against? I can't really identify one. Yeah. There's a guy who, Kevin Owens is the guy that my name is like synonymous with. One of your best friends. We started together in Quebec, yeah. like our first year in the business is when we met. And now we're teaming for the tag titles at WrestleMania in two nights. And so, that's just because you're Canadian. That's the only reason why. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, it's just like, it's just Two insane. Quebecians that know each other's life. Well, but it's not just that. That's the weirdest part is that like our paths have been so similar and like intertwined at every step. We both like came up uh, through the indies together. And then we both got signed. Like, you know, there were slight staggered parts of our career, but we always kind of came back. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't think there's another two people ever in wrestling that have this same kind of story. It's That's weird. Fucking rad. It's really, really weird. Yeah. And he's a partner, but at he's any a partner, point, he's been an enemy. He's yeah, been, we've been everything in between. Again. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And it's just so unique. That's, that's what I think. And the crazy thing about it is I remember just feeling uh, like in 2000, five six when we wrestle each other we're like dude how are people not sick of seeing this match like they've been seeing it for a year or two <laughs> now it's been 20 years but i think that's another thing is we both have a similar mindset when it comes to owing the fans something yeah we have a similar mindset of like we can't rest on our laurels we pretend that like they've seen all our matches so this one has to be different you both hate louis bags uh, he probably hates Louis. Ba- I, I probably think <laughs> about it more than he does. Yeah, but he does too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure if I yeah. asked him, I'd be, he'd just be like, oh, Louis Bags, yeah, stupid. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> but me, I have a whole like psychological breakdown for it and like yeah. the the social, you know, <laughs> connotation beneath it all and all that bogus stuff. Anyway, at the end of the day, I do feel sorry once again. <laughs> I, you know, if you yeah. have a Louis Bag, it's People fine. know you're kidding. People it's know. It's fine. Life is hard for everyone. Yeah, man. Get that bag, <laughs> Get dude. the bag. Get the bag, Get the bag, baby. Yeah. But so, yeah, you can't pinpoint one. Um, but that is nice that like, and you're best friends with him in the real world as well, outside of the, outside of the ring. Yeah, I'd say so. Because I mean, it's just, a dis- it's a kind of bond that you, uh, like, I mean, I have older friends and I have friends that I was closer with at different parts of my life, but there's a bond that exists there that like, you just like no one else will understand it, but him. 
Yeah, that's it's like great. a war buddy thing. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you can speak French to each other. And we do. Yeah, I know you do. In the locker room when I it's know like, you do. yeah. I see Lolo. You know, like, <laughs> and we'll just talk, like, if we have to. Say, look at go. that stupid fucking Louis bag in French. Yeah. Oh, sac à dos Louis Vuitton call, yes. <laughs> see, there you go. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> that's like Quebec cursing there, but. Um, no, but that, but it's, uh, that's great that you, I mean, that's how cool to have that. Like, that's a moment. Well, the one thing I was going to ask, because we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, we breezed over it, but I was going to say like a buddy to get a, a beer with, but you're not, no booze for you, but not that you're sober. You just never, ever got into it. Well, I, uh, so I think being brought up Muslim and like alcohol is forbidden in yeah. Islam and all bad that boy so, stuff, bad boy yeah, stuff. Yeah, but there's tons of Muslims who I was going to say, I'm friends with many Muslims many who drink. Many Muslims who drank, yeah. but for whatever reason, and I certainly did some things in my life that are not Muslim, you know? Sure. Uh, and Coming my, on this show. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I don't know. Well, like, I mean, depending on how strict you want to get, I mean, my mom would be like, don't wear t- such tight clothes, you know? Like, because my mom was ultra religious. My parents are both like scholar level religious, wow. you know? Um, so even wrestling, if you wanted to make a case for it, was inherently anti Muslim. Anti Muslim. Well, like, uh, yeah, things about it were certainly un Islamic or wanting to wrestle for WWE, especially back in the early 2000s when it was like, you know, bras and panties. Yeah, I mean, it was tits it's and a, ass. Yeah, it's a, a different game now. It's a different game now. But there was certainly a time when it would have made any religious person go, oh my God. Yeah. Well, also, you could say that was WWF back then. Sure. It's a new yeah, world Yeah, that's now. true. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy how much the world has changed, just let it's alone WWE. so different. Yeah. The um, McMahon days of coming out with all those women. It's just, I mean, it was just like- So I, I saw was... a clip recently of um, a wrestler named Rikishi. Do you remember him? Yeah. Uh, he's actually uh, one of the teams that we're um, wrestling at the Usos at WrestleMania. He's their dad. So I saw a clip recently where The Rock grabbed Vince McMahon's head and shoved it right in Rikishi's ass, which was like <laughs> Rikishi's gimmick was that he had a huge ass. And yeah. He was always out all the time. And I remember watching and going, my God, the thing that blew my mind about this clip wasn't that what I was watching was crazy. It's that when I watched it when I was younger, I didn't think it was crazy at all. That it was awesome. I just thought it was normal. Yeah. I just, it was so normal. It was so not controversial. Right. And that was the shocking part of the clip. <laughs> right. I'm like, this wasn't, like, nobody batted an eyelash at this. Yeah. <laughs> this was like a weekly occurrence back then, you yeah. know? It was just normal. Did you have to hide then be wanting to be a wrestler from your parents? No. They no. were super supportive They regardless. were supportive, yeah. Because, because they may be very religious and very strict, but they never they never wanted you to feel like you couldn't do no. what you wanted to do. Never. So super supportive. That's very awesome. supportive. Very like, uh, I mean, different, different levels of support, I suppose, because Kevin, for example, his parents have been to like all his shows. Your parents have never been to any shows. Uh, they, the first show they ever came to is when I wrestled for WWE in Montreal. Right. So this is, I don't know what, maybe 10 years ago, but it was like the first show they saw was like, you know, 10,000 people in the bell center. See, I they, did they it. They weren't there for like, you know, 40 people in elementary school in St. Rose. <laughs> right, right. But it's like, it was, but I didn't take that as like, I can't believe they didn't show up. It wasn't like that. I knew they supported, but I don't know. I guess they also had five kids, five boys. Yeah, and they loved staggered them Staggered age. Yeah, they, and I yeah. just don't, like they, uh, parent-teacher nights and stuff like that. So my dad recently told me a story about how he went to a parent-teacher thing uh, for my two older brothers when they were in like grade one and I, my jaw hit the ground because they never had any scholarly involvement of like, they just had no involvement in seemingly anything. 
<laughs> other than like the Islamic community. Right. Like when it came to like talking to my team, it was only like, hey, he's in a lot of trouble. We need to talk to you. All right. That, yeah. Then they'd have to come to school or whatever. Yeah. Or if they were dropping me off at friends' houses, um, this might be a cultural thing, but it's like they dropped me off and they'd be like, all right. But they never came and talked to the other parents and were like, oh, hi. Right. Small talk or like whatever. What about sleepovers? Do you ever sleep over at someone's My house? My parents were staunchly anti sleepover. So no one slept over at your house, but could you sleep over at someone else's house? Uh, it, it was a big fight to make it happen. But they, it did let it happen. Yeah. yeah. But it was like they didn't like it. And now what, I kind of get it all what, these years. What was later. that about? Why, why now? I don't, well, I don't know. I think you just, don't know what might happen out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do they think you're going to do something you shouldn't be doing? For sure. <laughs> and I think they also worried about something happening to you. Ah, uh, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think is like- But if they went to the door and met the parents and they dropped you off, maybe they changed uh, their perspective. Still no. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, man. Like I, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they just, maybe some stuff happened in their life. Ah. That, I'm not saying to them, but in their periphery sure. or to people they knew. They just knew like leaving kids unattended in a stranger's house is just not a good idea. It is a very and weird like, idea. And like now as an older person, I'm like, yeah, what sleepovers? What is that insanity? Yeah. Like even if I met the kid's uh, dad, let's say I have a, my son and he, you know, he's friends with this kid. Like, I don't know that. I don't know this. I don't, I don't know, know this guy. guy. Yeah. I'm just going to let my kids sleep. It seems insane when you really think about no, it. No, it is crazy. It's absurd. It's And it's like a very, I don't know. I think a man was it fun. It was awesome. <laughs> the yeah. trouble we got into it was so great. But that is where I watched my first porno. <laughs> so, no shit. Same. So like, yeah, like yeah, you're so, kind of right. So you can't. Yeah, <laughs> that's but, where you're like, no parents. But ah. but even parents then know that they go, well, come on, you got. They're gonna watch their first porno. These guys got to break something. They got to smoke drug. They're gonna do something they're not supposed to be doing. It's almost like them facilitating the chaos because they're like, well, they're gonna do it in my house, and at least they're not in the but woods. But so this and... is where my upbringing is very interesting because, like, my parents were not just Muslim; they're like, they're immigrants. They're from the old world. Yeah. So it's not. It was like I grew up a product of two. Like I joked about the white white privilege thing at the top of this, right? But um, I had an inherent understanding, and maybe this is part of what shaped me as a person of kind of another thing I touched on earlier was like seeing that things are not necessarily default settings that they're cultural. Right. I think I saw that from a very young age. Obviously I couldn't articulate it cause I, you know, I hadn't studied sociology at the time, <laughs> right. but like I had an inherent understanding of like, there's no default setting here because I go to school in one country, it's called Canada. And then I go home and my home is Syria. Right. You know, like these are two and, and they were like opposite. Yeah. They weren't, they did not work very well in synergy, like Syrian Islamic culture in the house. And then outside for all intents and purposes, I'm like a white redheaded kid. Yeah. White redhead Canadian kid. Right. So like I understood the duality there from the jump. Yeah. So it kind of makes you realize like, Hey, that ain't necessarily the right way. It's a way. It's Which, not, it's not the only way. It's not the only way. Totally. And I don't think, I, I think a lot of people don't learn that till they start traveling. Let's say in their twenties, if you're lucky enough to travel in your twenties, when you go on your first like trip to Europe and you're like, man, in Italy, you know, they take siestas in the middle of the day. They nap. They're not working nine, you know, nine to nine. Yeah. They nap <laughs> and they don't even care. Like they don't even care how much, you know, like these things that we just took as default, the default setting of humanity. Yeah. You like take a six hour plane ride and you're like, whoa, 
I mean, things are different over there. You know, like it just blows people's minds the first time yeah. they realize, oh, there are multiple ways to do this thing yeah. called life. And the way we do it, not only is it not the, uh, you know, a natural law of man that this is where we would end up. In a lot of ways, it's kind of bogus. Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot to be criticized about it. Yeah. We're often doing a lot of stuff that we might not need to be doing. We just don't know any better. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And the only like, way you, wait, why the fuck do I do this? Yeah. I don't even like doing this. Yeah. And then you're like, do I have to this? Do wait. So not everyone in the world's doing this. Are you aware of this? I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. 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 That's true. But I think you don't, you just don't have that awareness. Right. So I think that was a weird gift that was given to me, uh, which I had no hand in going back to my thing about luck. Yeah. I had no hand in that being showed that lesson. That's I was, luck. I just, boy, yeah. I just happened to be born in Canada. Was there ever then things that your parents, because they were immigrants, that you had to teach them that you learned as a kid culturally? Oh, all the time. Well, like, like the sleepover. Yeah. I'm like, hello, it's just a sleepover. Like, you know, your dad's like, like, what is going on over there? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's I, like Fight Club, man. It's a fucking first rule. We can't talk about so sleepover. True. Can't talk it's about sleepover. True. What are other things that like your parents? Because I had a friend years ago that used to joke about that, that his parents, you know, were from India. And he used to say like, he would teach them everything. And it was like, because he would learn stuff in school and bring it home. And then his dad would be like, what the fuck is that? Uh, well, so here's here's one. Um, like being polite to wait staff. Oh, because they're <laughs> just mean to waiters. Your dad was well, always. No, not my mom specifically. Man, like, I don't even know because I feel like. Service is a funny thing in those Arab countries. Go on. I don't know how to, like, I don't know how to describe this. Give me the raw detail, baby. Like, so, for example, when you call a waiter, when I call a waiter, I'm like, ah, I'm so sorry. Ah, can I just trouble you for a glass of water? Yeah. Thank you so much. What, what is this dance I just did? Yeah. Your job is to get me water. Yeah. You don't have to be rude about it, but you have to be, uh, you can like, just go, what can I get a glass of water? But Thank what, you. What even is rude is cultural. Ah, yeah. Right? Like, so like whistling at a waiter here is such an insane taboo. <laughs> but there are other places in the world where like, sure. like to me, it's, I genuinely think, I actually used to have a whole rant about this, <laughs> like back after shows that would be at IHOP yeah. and I'd be on this whole rant, but like, it should be socially acceptable to whistle at waiters <laughs> because, because it's Let's not, it. it's not demeaning. It's demeaning because we say it's demeaning. Culturally. But if you're right. over there and I'm over here, other than shouting, hey, excuse me. Like that yeah. should be okay. It should <laughs> because be okay. it was followed with the. Well, but see, I'm still. I'm yeah, still you're doing North it. Americanizing be it because here. if you went, hey, and then you waited, but that's only as demeaning as we say it is. Because culturally, here it is though. But it's arbitrary, is what I'm saying. It is, but I, I, I tend to be on the side of it is oddly demeaning because it's like saying, "I own you right now. You got to get me the things I want." Okay, it, but is that not the social contract that is? I'm not. It is. Up, yeah, it is. It is. But however, do not crucify me on the internet as being some like. No, but you're right. A hole to to wait staff here. I'm just saying <laughs> the agreement is when I walk in and yeah. I sit. Your job is to serve me whatever I want when I want it. Totally. And I'm not saying, of course, you don't demean people. You don't. But I mean, I'm here tiptoeing. So that's wrong, right? That part you don't but, need to do. But we but do. The, but don't the, you? I know I don't. I do just an honest level of respect of like. You know, uh, can I get that, please? Thank you. That's it. I don't. I don't ever really go. I I did serving for a while, so uh -huh. I bartend. I served. I did everything. So I don't. I don't. You don't overcompensate. Nah, because I know better. Because also, then it almost feels 
more diminutive when someone's like, thank you. Yeah, I, sure, That's the problem. Sure. So then when you just do like a baseline level of human respect that you'd give to somebody on the fucking train or a cabbie or. But what I'm saying is that's not baseline human respect. It's like, it's it, cultural. It's cultural baseline. It's our westernized cultural baseline. Yeah, so yes. like, it, I go, yes, right. It's the one I like. How about that? I've seen the <laughs> other ones. I like the one where you go to a flight attendant. Thank you. When they give you the thing. But I do get, I have seen other people that when they get they a thing, don't say thanks. they don't even look at them. And it's or like, like a lot of cultures that like get deemed rude. Like for example, uh, Germans or Russians or whatever, sometimes. Well, because, Germany's got a tough history. No, no, no but I'm I saying know. because they're not super smiley yeah. and we're used to like over the top smiley, uh, yeah. customer service and all that, that we think they're rude when they're just, um, direct. They're just, yeah, they're, they're very, they're just like, very what forward. would you like? Okay, cool. And they're gone. Like. Like they didn't say. They well, who can smile. we who can we blame for this in the Western world? Because you fuckers, meaning Canadians, mm. you're annoyingly nice. You're you guys make fun of us because Canadians are always like, oh, so Americans. I've always thought that the states is over the top nice compared to Canada. Oh, you guys are way not. You guys are but way more kiss ass than us. I think that's just the well, rep. Well, time I think out. that's just the the perception. You're also East Coast. Uh, Quebec is different. Doesn't count. Yeah, Quebec, you're your fair. own. Yeah, that's fair. Quebecians are more French. They're more European than the rest of I Canada. Mean, because you guys are frogs. You're Frenchies. But all I, in America, ever since I first started coming to America, I'm like, they're, oh, it's like, it's, take it down a notch. <laughs> like, but see, that's how a, we talk about you, Canada. You get, a, you get on a plane, good morning, how are you? <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Have you, you been Bubba. to Australia? Uh, yeah, I have. I was just there. Uh, so nice, it's no annoying. It's huh. different. Down there, it's, they're way too nice. But what I'm hey, saying- Hey, how you going? And you're like, hi, how, how you going? It's yeah. 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not there yet. Yeah, Wherever yeah. I'm going, I'm not there. <laughs> They're way too nice, dude. It was to yeah. a fault where even I was like, and I like pleasantries. I think it's nice to, I get the, hey, how are you? Hey, man, come on. This was so much. I'd begin to kind of get a little, yeah. when they would uh, do that in the morning, I go, you got to give me some time. <laughs> <laughs> to who? Anybody that we were working with on this, on, okay, we were, okay, in the movie, I was like, man, like a I flight can't. attendant or a, you know. No, well, the people we were working with on the movie, good like. Good morning. Just take it. I, just I'd give go, me a I'd go, good morning, good morning. <laughs> I'd rush through it like, yeah, I can fucking leave. You got to leave me alone. Yeah. I was up at 4.30. I'm tired. Hey, and you know what's funny when you think about it sometimes? Like that interaction uh, is enough for someone to just label you. A dick. A, yep. Forever. Right. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, it's wild. Forever. And you're like, no, I just was. I just, I'm just tired. I swear, I, I had a guy tell me, we became friends, but he told me that, oh, one time he, he disliked me for years because uh, one time he met me at an independent show when I was like higher on the independent wrestler totem pole than he was. And he said hi to me and I was dismissive. Yeah. But I have obviously zero recollection of this. Sure. And it may have been like, I'm lacing my boots. I'm on in two minutes. It's like, hey, good to meet you. I'm like, hey. And you know, you don't even think about these interactions. Yeah. But then somebody is like that guy takes it home. That guy, that that Sammy, yeah, he's a real piece of work, you know. And for the next six years, that's the story going around. And you know what that guy went goes and does? What? He goes and buys a Louis bag to fill that uh... fucking mean Sammy void. And so when he straps on his Louis bag next time, well, and he sees you, he goes, I mean, "You said it, not me." As far <laughs> as like, <laughs> see, I, I say I'm over the judgment, but clearly I'm not. Clearly you're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. You're filling something with that. But I know what you mean. Aren't it we is, all? but it is cultural, and it it is interesting how we deal with, uh, those kind of cultural norms that may seem, you know, uh, unusual for the opposite culture and usual for the present culture where you're like, no, that guy's so rude. It's like, no, that that's just not in his world. Yeah. That's not what people do.
I, so I've noticed that more, and I don't think I'm an especially cultured person, but maybe I am. <laughs> but like when we go on some of these overseas tours with other WWE wrestlers, it was like sometimes mind boggling to me how like quick they were to dismiss an entire country sometimes over the behavior of like a Fuck single place. Yeah. Like a single hotel, a hotel receptionist, right? Like Switzerland. Ah, you know, like just cause the one person's like, sir, give me a minute. Cause I'm busy. And like, that's it. And like, now you've impugned an entire country based <laughs> on this one interaction. And so it's like, I don't know. That stuff cracks me up. But we do it naturally. We all do that. That yeah. is ha- like, you know, Im- immediately when you go somewhere else and you say, uh, uh, and if someone's like, where are you from? And you're like, Canada. They're like, oh yeah, Canada. But then that same person, hey, where's your friend from? You go, the States. They go, hmm, the States. Yeah, right, right, they right, all, right. Everybody right. does that. Everyone has this kind of compacted idea that they understand an entire place to be, even though that's insane because the United States has fucking 360 so, million people. I, I was actually saying this today because I was driving around LA today and I love LA. I love almost everywhere actually. And, but I love LA especially. And I was driving and I said, man, can you imagine people come to LA and they're just like, they hate LA. Oh, or they yeah. go to New York and they hate New York. People do that. Well, but, and, and this is the thing that I think is so funny. And this is again, again, been blessed with the ability and uh, privilege of traveling all over the world for many, many years. But like people ha- like will dismiss an entire city, country, whatever you want, continent. An entire people, an yeah. entire culture, yeah. an entire civilization, sometimes based on their limited, like, 48-hour experience in a, in a town. Right. Like, I came to New York, we went to Times Square, there were lights everywhere, I hated it, I, screw New York, don't even talk to me about New York. Like, well, so, okay. Yeah. That was your experience in a, in a you know, in a vacuum. Right. You can't judge the entire city. Have you been to the Lower East Side? No. You know? Like, yeah. Get we went to the bit. M&M yeah. store in <laughs> yeah, Times yeah. Square and that city right. sucks. Yes. I'm just, like, you can't, again, like, you know, we go to, uh, um, Sweden. I remember we went to, cause I, I had been to Sweden before I'd went to WWE. And then when WWE went to Sweden, I was like, guys, wait till we get to Sweden. I was like hyping up Sweden to all the boys. Right. And then we get to Sweden and, uh, you know, we get in late and I don't know, you know, customs are a little different sure. and. Maybe the hotel food. One lady wouldn't hold the elevator for one of the guys. And I remember him just saying like, F Sweden. <laughs> You're like, what? Like, because that lady wouldn't hold the elevator. Yeah. The whole country. The whole country pay. can suffer because of her. <laughs> because, because Margaret Corgan Sklorgan didn't hold the elevator. I think I was going to go back to the States and be like, Sweden, don't go there. Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Don't go, man. Sucks. People are rude. They, they, you know, food's terrible. Yeah. Like, no, the food's not terrible. Catering that night at the at the Marriott right. was terrible. That was terrible. Yes. yes. And I think that's another thing about, I don't know, just, I don't know, decompartmentalizing perhaps or not throwing not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Great phrase. Great phrase. Don't yeah. do it. Great phrase. Do you know why that phrase was born, by the way? I'm fam- afraid of the answer. Well, actually. a family would take baths, right? A full family would take baths and the baby would typically get last bath. Father would get the first bath. Uh, and then the the wife and then children down the line. So the baby would get the last bath. I feel like it should be opposite. The baby should get the first bath. He's the cleanest. Smallest body though. Biggest body probably needs all the water. Let's get dad in there first. Water he... absorption is what you're saying? No, just like who needs the most water? Baby needs almost no water. Well, what no I'm saying water. is now the baby is going to get all the filthy water. That's right. So don't throw the baby out with the filthy water. That's where that came from. 
So it'd be dirty, dirty water from the bodies. And the joke was, if you dumped out the the buckets, you're gonna throw the baby out. You're gonna too, throw the baby out. Yeah, because you no, didn't see that. him in that I'm dirty just, water. I'm approaching this from a logical. I don't think the baby should get here. all the water. <laughs> I'm just saying the baby should get first because he's gonna be the cleanest. Dad's filthy from working in the coal mine That's or whatever. Right. Yeah, the coal mine. Where where is this? No, right? the coal mine. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah. was, the first thing I was picturing was like one of those tenement apartments in New York. That's probably what it was. You know, yeah, there's no coal mines there. But yeah, you know. Anyway, the father's the. He was a chimney sweep. He had coal all over him. Yeah, he's he's filthy. He's a He's filthy from manual labor all he day. He should be last. Not last, but I think the baby goes first, then the dad. Oh, see, So the baby gets the cleanest water, hygienic, it's important. And then all the kids and the mom get the dirty water from dad. <laughs> so the I, you're, you're mixed up. I think yeah, dad I goes last up. then. Yours either has to go. And you know, I think I'm so much above these like social hierarchies, but here I am playing this game. There you are. Who am I? What a piece of garbage, man. I think I'm so great. You know what we learned on this podcast today? You don't like Louis bags. <laughs> There's a lot you could take away from that, I know, that, that's right? it. Yeah, we delved um, into that way more dude, than I expected. I appreciate you so much doing this. I'm glad that we came here and we got to fight it out the way that we really wanted to fight it out. Yeah. We've been ta- I've been talking that shit. I'm really, glad we got to do I it, I just man. really hope the people who tuned in around the two-minute mark and stuck it stuck out. Stuck around. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I hope. Yeah, better not to I hope yeah. they did. Yeah. Um, good luck at WrestleMania. That's a- amazing. Uh, I'm stoked for you. I appreciate you. We end the episode the same way. Uh, you look in that camera right there. That's your camera. And you say one word or one phrase to take us home. This is going to be embedded in history forever. So one word or one phrase from you to that camera that's going to end the episode whenever you're ready. Do people struggle with this? No. Really? <laughs> I feel a lot of like weight. It's a lot of pressure. It's yeah, not, But right? that's what's beautiful about it. So give it what you got and that camera when you're ready. Hmm. You're about to see an ugly side of me here. Not an ugly side, but one of my not so great qualities, which is indecisiveness. Okay, good. I don't know what to do here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. If you buy a Louis Vuitton bag, I, I guess it's okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In here, we pour whiskey, whiskey. Whisk, whisk, whisk. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy, 